0: Three, two, one, oh my goodness, good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day, my name is Zach Schaumler, this is a Strong Opinion Sports episode, oh great question, 358 I believe, I, I want to be very, very clear up front, this will probably be the most scattered episode you've ever listened to of Strong Opinion Sports for a, a detailed reason. Uh, but I want to say, first of all, it's an episode all about the NHL playoffs, round one. I recorded it on Tuesday, had two awesome guests, my buddy Austin Cram, uh, had Nathan Shield on. We talked for, I think, two hours about hockey between the two conversations. Uh, lovely time, lovely people. I, I recorded it on Tuesday. I'm recording this at 1129 a.m. Pacific Coast time zone, Pacific Coast time, West Coast time uh, on, on Thursday. And I was going to put this out Tuesday night or Wednesday, and we had technical difficulties. We had, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm in the middle of moving. I, I'm i am just slammed. And then also, I've had really, really big problems in my personal life with some extended family that is just really toxic and causing problem after problem after problem after problem for both me and my fiance. And it's been a, a miserable week. And I even there's a moment in the middle of the show where I go to dinner, I come back, and I think I cussed like four times on the show because I was so... I just was loose and tired and happy to be talking to a friend and not dealing with this extended family drama anymore. So uh, let me just tell you, there's a weird cut midway through my Austin conversation. Then we get back into the conversation. Uh, I can't say enough about the people I'm recording with. Without further ado, please enjoy my conversation about the NHL playoffs round one with my good friend, Austin Cramp. Joining me now is uh, my good friend Austin Cram. We had some technical difficulties, but we problem solved. We figured it out. We have like forty-five minutes, so I got to go to dinner. So we're doing the best we can. Absolutely. And uh, how are you today, Austin?
1: I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. You climbed a mountain. I, that was cool, I did. Cooler than anything I've done maybe ever. Um, <laughs> that was awesome to follow. That
0: was. Oh, uh, yeah. It's so hard. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. And I have a line, a sunglass line, and a headband tan line. Like my, or my, you can't really see on camera, but I'm like. Red up right above my eyebrows, yeah, and under my eyes, and that's it. And I look like a raccoon, but like red. It's like I don't. I'm doing the best I can. I'm like you sweating. It. It's hot, you know you 93. It. Oh my god. It's sweltering in
1: here. It's hot in the Northwest.
0: <laughs> yes, it is. Where I'm moving, it's actually 10 degrees cooler with the breeze. And I'm like, oh, let's go. I Absolutely. can't wait. Time um, is soon. Yes, let's talk about hockey. Uh, what I would like to do is go through every single uh, playoff series. Just I want to hear okay. your thoughts, your kind of okay. reaction. What you thought about each game we'll start here. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets beat the Edmonton Oilers in four games, four to nothing, a clean sweep me personally, I went i I mean the little I know I was like that's that's shocking. is that how you felt It was shocking uh, when we spoke last
1: on the show i uh, I made made note of of Connor Hellebuck's performances, and i I wasn't sure if he'd be able to maintain them all the way to a series when it was 2-0 Winnipeg at the time. Um, you know, whether or not Winnipeg won that series was up in the air for me. I did not think they would win the next two and complete the sweep uh, at all. It was shocking is a good word.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, well, it was fun cause I, in theory, it's a matchup between this great scorer, uh, Connor mm-hmm. McDavid and this great goalie, Connor Hellebuck. I'm like, this is going to be legendary. Yeah, man. And Hellebuck kind of dominated, right? He did.
1: Especially for the first two games, you know, going into game three, uh, Leon Draisaitl and Connor McDavid—they got theirs. They got on the board. They had, they each had, you know, a good game, and it wasn't enough. And funny enough, the third Connor, Kyle Connor of the Winnipeg Jets, ended up having a big conclusion to the series as well. So it was kind of a battle of the Connors, and the Winnipeg Connors <laughs> got to got the win over over the single Edmonton Connor. It was—I don't think I want to hear that name for a while ever again. There's been too much Connor. Never in this again. No more Connors. Yeah. no. Nope, well, there was word, another game
0: over. where, um, in game two, game two into overtime, nobody yeah. scored the entire first three quor- uh, periods. Then in overtime, finally the Jets won, but it's crazy, like, Connor Hellebuck had 38 saves, no goals given up, but Connor McDavid had opportunities. It's not like Connor McDavid did nothing, like, he had opportunities yeah. and couldn't score. And that, to me, is like, man, you have the best scorer in hockey, statistically, and you shut him down. It blows my mind.
1: But- the way that guy plays, every single time the puck's on his stick, it's a scoring chance. His speed with the puck is unprecedented. His vision is crazy. He sees things so far ahead of everybody else. And when you combine that with this freak athletic ability, every time the puck's on his stick, like I said, it's a it's a show, and there's always a chance there.
0: Um, how about New York? The New York Islanders beat the Pittsburgh Penguins in six games, 4-2. to two. Mm. Uh, I know a lot of my, my friends in New York are very excited. They're all Islanders fans. I don't know why. Yeah. I, I guess they, in New York, they passionately love hockey. Like, everyone I know is either a Jets fan or an Islanders fan. And I, I guess the Giants don't exist because I know the wrong people. But um, I, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this series. I was upset. I thought maybe there was a slight chance Pittsburgh and Sidney uh, Crosby do something cool. They lost. What are your thoughts on this series?
1: Uh, you know, I picked that series to go seven. I picked Islanders in seven. I think I was kind of in the minority in that. So I'm going hmm. to take my win there. Um, the the DNA of how of how that series went two years ago it seemed like it played out in kind of a similar way where it seemed like no matter what would happen the Islanders buckled down at the right times they scored when they needed to um, you know they, and they pulled it out Pittsburgh has some decisions to make I think headed into this off season they've got you know aging guys I mean, it's not it's not going to be something where you know Sidney Crosby been the trading block although some networks might start posing that question <laughs> yeah. nothing crazy like that but they're at this point now where a lot of their core um, is getting a little bit older. And they're gonna have to make some choices here in the off season. It's gonna be curious to see what they do. But when a team has a, you know that has a pedigree like that, you lose in the first round in six. It's it leaves a really sour taste in your mouth. Um, you know, no matter the context, but especially how you know it went two years ago with the Islanders and and they haven't been able to quite get right since. Even this year they started out not great and the the sprint to the finish they did really well near the end of the season and it looked like they were catching fire at the right time, mm. and then it peters out as soon as it starts, and it's, you know, here you are. So it's, you know, weird times coming for the Penguins, I think.
0: What happened two years ago for Pittsburgh? They lost to the Islanders in the playoffs? Swept. Wow. Ooh. Swept okay.
1: by the Islanders, and I believe, I'm 95% sure it was it was a one seed. Pittsburgh was. They were a one seed. I that want got your swept. opinion
0: on this cup, by the way. Is this cup too big? It's like no, it's my pro- head. The, It's like a the,
1: big bowl. The, the cup that's too big is the cup that you can't finish. It's, oh, I like that. Sorry to get distracted. I, I, yeah. I just was yeah. drinking, and I realized no, how big this cup no, is. No, Scholars have debated for years. I think that's I think that's a <laughs> perfect size cup.
0: Um, who's the other? So Sidney Crosby, there's another. He's got like a partner in Pittsburgh. What's Evgeny, the other guy?
1: Evgeny, Evgeny Malkin.
0: Got it. And so Pittsburgh's interesting as a city because they have Big Ben, their quarterback, who uh-huh. is all but retired, and they're going to stick with him for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> and, and Sidney Crosby's another guy. He's getting older But Pittsburgh seems unwilling to maybe refresh and restart. And I get it. There's history. They love him. It's not gonna Yeah, it's not gonna
1: happen. He's he's had too much success there. He's the the money they're paying him now and the money they'll continue to pay him is a thank you. Um, mm. he's still an exceptional player. Like he's, it's not even like, you know, we, it's almost like we're doing this, uh, like a eulogy for him. And it's far from that because he's still a tremendous <laughs> yeah. player, but yeah. it, you know, and through no fault of his own, his best days are probably behind him. That's the way that these things go, especially when you get the mileage that he does on him. So again, you're in, you're in a weird spot because it's, it's everything that you do for him, every, every dollar you pay him, everything that you kind of, the way you build your team around him you have to have that thought in the back of your head that like, hey, this, you know, God forbid he, he takes a bump that he shouldn't. His career's over with yeah. his concussion history at this point. And even if he stays clean the rest of the way out, he's not he doesn't have a ton of time left compared to, you know, other teams in the league of his contemporaries. So again, it's, you know, what are you gonna do for Pittsburgh? That's they got some well, they got some thinking to do there.
0: As a sports city, uh, based on the Penguins and the Steelers, they're sentimental and they yeah. I think often make moves that maybe are not the most logical for building the future because they're kind of stuck in the past, which I, I get it. And I feel like they probably do. owe Sidney Crosby, like they feel that way and they, uh-huh, uh, They is, do. is it, yeah. is it right to keep him? Is it right to keep trying this or should they restart? Uh, it's a big question. I know that. Uh, and it, it's kind of impossible to answer, but I, also is it right to keep Crosby and is it right to keep doing what they're doing and keep hitting a wall and not going any farther?
1: I think so. I mean, it, framed that way the answer is probably no but when you look at the context of things again mm. it, the 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 kind of secondary question that you're asking there is you know do they start looking at 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 moving sid and i think that answer is a vehement no in terms mm-hmm. of going other directions maybe moving out some secondary pieces or just trying to you know again make some splashes where they can they're uh i'm not I'm not incredibly familiar with how their money is right now i have to take a deeper look into that but so you know in terms of what what choices they have to make coming up, but as far as Sid's future in in the black and gold, that's as secure as anything as far as I'm concerned.
0: And you think he should be?
1: I think he should be. He's done yeah. so much for that team and for that city.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche beat the St. Louis Blues in four games, four to nothing. It was a clean sweep. Yep. Uh, they dominated. I think they scored, I believe it was 20 to seven in four games, which is, that is what it was. And that's ridiculous. I mean, it was... Uh, Game one, four to one. Game two, six to three. Game three, five to one. Game four, five to two. Uh, The Avalanche look like they might just blow through everybody. What do you think of this series?
1: I think it's a sign of things to come for Vegas to a lesser Mm -hmm. extent. Of course, teams get better as you move further into the playoffs. Vegas, who they're
0: playing in round two.
1: Vegas, who they're playing in round two. It's a sign of things to come for Vegas. I think it's a sign of things to come for the winner of the Canadiens and um, Jets series. And I think they just keep rolling. Again, I've been very, I've been very staunch in my opinion that Colorado is the best team in hockey right now. Um, and they punctuate that after a dominant four nothing sweep of the Blues, they they ransack the Golden Knights. at seven one in game one, um, and it mm. didn't look particularly difficult while they were doing it. I just. It, <laughs> I don't yeah. know what you do. And and there's some controversy in that series. And we can get to that series, the, the active series in in a bit, if you'd like, but there's some, some weird stuff going on with the, some goalie controversy, so to say, uh, going on in Vegas, uh, after game one of that series, it's probably nothing. There's a lot of, it's kind of like quarterback controversy in, in, in the football, in, in the summer for football. There's always stories made out of nothing, mm. but then goalies, same deal in the NHL. When there's, when there's some smoke, people jump on it. Um, so, we'll you know, we can we can, we can go over that. But uh, as far well, as
0: – let's do it. We might as well. Yeah. Like, yeah, let's, absolutely. Let's jump in. Okay. Because so, we'll, we'll talk we'll, – my goal, real quick, if I may, is to talk about round yeah. one and kind of talk a little bit about what's coming. And so we can talk yeah. about what's happening. I mean, this will come out tomorrow, which is uh, Wednesday. And Wednesday. it's Tomorrow's Wednesday. I mean, I, I don't I don't mind talking about what's actually happening right now in hockey, too. We don't need to be all stuck yeah, in the past. Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: It, the, the crux of kind of my – what I'm alluding to is – um, after Mark Andre Fleury, the the starting goalie for the the Vegas Golden Knights and Vezina Trophy, that's the, the goalie of the year uh, nominee. He plays seven games in fourteen days, which is kind of a heavy load for a goalie. Yeah. Um, it's an emotional seven games. There's a lot of back and forth with Vegas and, and Minnesota. Just a, you know, a, kind of a lot going on there. And uh, and they choose to sit Fleury, who's been a rock for them in game one of the second round against Colorado, where they, they sit in for Robin Lehner, who was a great goalie in his own right. They probably have the best goalie tandem in the league, I would say, because Robin Lehner is a starting quality goalie. He would start on mm. uh, a large bulk of teams in the league. And they play him game one. Uh, head coach Peter DeBoer says, you know, it's it's a mental and physical break for Flurry, who's on the wrong side of 30 and, again, had a pretty strong workload. Yeah, And then Lehner shows up and gets shelled. And Vegas fans are now saying, hey, coach, like, what are we doing here? I think it's a plan-the-result thing. I really do. I think that people do this thing where it's, it's and I'm sure you see it, where coach, general manager, player, etc. cetera, makes a decision, and we're going to not judge the decision itself. We're going to judge the result that came about, and then we're going to mm-hmm. either lambast them or um, critique them or shower them with praises for how the result went, not for the decision itself. I think it was a fine decision. I think it's justifiable. Again, your goalie who's on the wrong side of 30 is playing a lot of games. And if you're Vegas, you expect to make a deep run. He can't play every game. You're going to have to put Robin Lehner in there at some point. And yeah. they did. And I think it was a fine time to do it at the start of a series to see, you know, keep him fresh and keep him going. It didn't go the right way. And I don't think that's anybody's fault necessarily. Colorado's a great team, but I don't think we should be slamming DeBoer when if that's a 7-1 game for Vegas, we're clapping his praises for giving Flurry a night off in a game that they dominated.
0: Mm. So at the time, you're saying – and I I really agree with this. I like it, actually. Let's not judge him on what happened. Let's judge him on what everyone kind of thought going in, which was, hey, he's a backup goalie, probably starting quality. He needs a break. It's the logical thing to do. Even if the result sucked, which it did – It's still the thought process makes complete sense.
1: I think that yeah, I think in order and whether it's in in anything, you know, I play a lot of fantasy football. I know your opinions on that. I think that things should be (laughs) process oriented. I think that things should we shouldn't we shouldn't you know look at one single result and make determinations, sweeping generalizations based on that. It's the same deal here. I think it was a fine time to play your very capable backup goalie it didn't go well. What are you going to do? I'm sure that you know if you gave Fleury some truth serum, he's going to be more than happy to have a day off against yeah. uh, you know an awesome Colorado team. So I think well, that's a controversy is, for not.
0: Yeah, so it's controversy I I agree. It's 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 a it's a controversy people are kind of manufacturing.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: Well, it's also Okay, let's play these players' starting goalie. The Colorado Avalanche are amazing. They yeah. might put up seven on the starter too. They, so it's like, like yeah. Ah!
1: I, you win that you 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 lose the game seven to one, or you lose the game four to one or four to two. It's still yeah. one nil in the series. Like, and then Flurry—that's sixty minutes that Flurry could have had off. If you want, again, you need to win sixteen games to hoist the trophy. You are not going to sweep every team. You are going to play a long postseason. Yeah. If you just expect Flurry to play every game, you are going to be in for it, and he's not going to do very well come you know the third and fourth round. And they're going to be kicking yourself saying, "Hey, why didn't they play this awesome backup goalie?" There is if you are going to play the result, you are always going to find something wrong. Is the end is yeah. kind of the, the the way to look at it. I think.
0: Well game 2 would have been worse if they'd played him. You know like yeah. he would he'd be even more gassed. Does that make sense like it, it, I I think you're right. The, the thought process makes total sense. I mean, you play him in game 1, he's dead in game 2 and you probably lost game 1 cuz he's tired. Then game 2 you lose again. You, it's, I guess you kind of had to accept you might lose one anyway. You got to rest your starting goalie.
1: There's a great chance that the the snowball Rolls down the hill. If you if you force flurry into starts over and over and over again against a team that gets a lot of great shots against a team that plays super high octane, you know yeah. people don't. It's hard for people that don't necessarily watch the game a lot to think about it. But you watch if you're watching when when the puck is in the zone, in the offensive zone for a team. So the goalie's kind of on alert. The puck's getting getting wrapped on the board, it's getting cycled. It's moving, uh, you know laterally. It's moving, uh, in deep and back out. A goalie's staying primed. It's so hard on your legs to sit and be watching the puck behind the net, anchored to a post. You're on skates. Even the way Colorado plays, even when they're not putting the puck on the net, forcing Fleury to make a save, they play heavy, tiring minutes, and you gotta give a guy some breaks, especially when he's in his late thirties. Even though he's been great this season, <laughs> yeah. it's I mean it's you know, there just comes a time.
0: Well, I climbed Mount St. Helens yesterday. I'll tell you, I couldn't climb a mountain again today. Like you have no. to rest. It's just a, re- it's he, a fact. You have to when rest. your legs are gone, you gotta take a break. Mm-hmm. And
1: then, and then it, you know, if and then they, hypothetically they play Flurry and he gets shelled, and then it's you know, Flurry sucks, or which is silly, or it's why yeah. didn't Coach do this, which is what he did. Yeah. It, it, I could go on for hours about this. It's silly the way that the fans look at stuff like that.
0: Yeah. I think it was did a you fine enjoy choice. watching? Did you enjoy watching Colorado Avalanche? I mean, they—it sounds like they just play amazing hockey and are so well. I didn't enjoy watching them play a middle
1: school team. Like it's like they could they could beat a like they could beat a middle school team by eighty, and I would enjoy it. Yeah, there was a—I mm-hmm. think it was—I think it was the seventh and final goal the Avalanche scored. It was Nathan McKinnon, who's you know their their best player, and the puck's kind of jostling around on the the far side. So if you're watching on TV, it's the far side of the of the ice near the benches, and it's a normal play. You know, the puck kind of squirts loose to an Avalanche player. And McKinnon's at the at the at the red line center ice, which the ice yeah. is 200 feet, so he's 100 feet away from the goal, and the puck gets gets passed along to him at center ice is where he receives it. He takes like six pushes, which sounds like kind of a lot, but it's like six steps basically on you know on the ice, and by like the fourth one he's at full clip, which he's about the only one who rivals McDavid in terms of speed with the puck. Yeah, he's already fast he's faster than everyone on the ice the defense had their you know their backs they're flat-footed they've they got no idea and he he comes in you know fakes the puck backhand flips it forehand over the glove side of leonard and it was just like it it looked like i saw someone describe as a comment i don't know if it was on instagram or facebook or reddit or wherever but someone had basically said that it looked like when the guy who's playing beer league but like two levels too low decided he <laughs> wanted to score and that's exactly yeah. what it was. I mean, he just felt like he was going to score that possession and make it seven-one. He capped it off. But it was. The, but that's how they play. They make everything look so easy, in yeah. a one-one game in the third period. They make stuff look easy. It's just incredible.
0: Why don't people hate the Colorado Avalanche? I mean, when you dominate in sports, is it just because they're new? Because the, people hated the Patriots. They dominated for so long, they got tired of it. In Formula One, Mercedes F1 dominates and people got tired of it. Is it because they're new? Because they are incredibly dominant. Why is there a? I've noticed hockey fans embrace them and love watching them, and they haven't gotten to the point where they hate them yet. When when is that going to happen? And do you think it will happen? What's going on in hockey, and why don't people hate them?
1: It's always going to happen if you're too good, right? Like if it doesn't matter how you build your team or how the personalities on your team or or what your team is made of. If you're good for too long, you will be hated. I think that Colorado fans would be more than happy to be hated if it means they're going to win a couple of championships (laughs) this decade. Yeah. Um, But in terms of right now, it's a homegrown team. It's a team yeah. that isn't that doesn't have you know a lot of, of grading personalities. The style they play is really really fun. Uh, you know, it's a, a lot of the reasons that people hate teams in sports outside of them just being really good is maybe team composition. Maybe they don't like that a team bought their you know the Yankees right. They buy their team. That's the whole thing with them. Uh, you know the the Lakers. You know they 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 have a certain geographical. Advantage that allows them to get players in a way that you know other teams can't. So they, we hate them for that. It's not like that with Colorado. It's just they're a smart team that manages the draft, that manages their cap really well. Mm. They have good eyes for talent. They develop really well. They're just they're hard to not like unless you're you know a rival team or if you're a Detroit fan. Shout out to the nineties. Yeah. Um, you know it's it, there's hard to dislike them.
0: Can ha- can Connor Hellebuck stop Colorado? What would that matchup look like do you think? I mean he can. Yeah.
1: Like uh you know he can. I that, that's going to involve Connor Hellebuck getting past the the Montreal Canadiens and I think I think I think they will. We can talk yeah. about that series. Um I th- I think they will win that series. He can. He's he's the best goalie on earth like I said last time we were here. I think he can, you know, he can do about anything. The hard part's going to be it's you know with Edmonton it was one in two guys uh, Colorado goes so deep. That's the hard part. It's not, you know, mm-hmm. it's not. I have to be really, really yeah. on my game for uh, 17 minutes or something. It's I've. It's it's never going to stop. It's just this endless wave of skill and pace uh, that comes at you. Five guys. There's no breaks. There's no hiding anybody. They've got you know everybody on the ice. It's dangerous for them. They've got all kinds of great talent. It's a uh, it's talent diversity. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on there, and uh, and you know I trust Helly against about anybody. You know, in one game, but winning four and seven, it's tough.
0: Yeah, could that matchup end up being what we hoped McDavid versus Hellebuck would be? Because I, what I thought Connor McDavid versus Connor Hellebuck would be is one wins a game, like back and forth, right? One punch yeah. is landed, another one lands a punch, back and forth, blow to blow. Maybe Colorado against the Winnipeg Jets could make that happen. Great scoring against a great goalie, back and forth. Is that? I mean, I, I hope that could happen.
1: Yeah, you know, Winnipeg does a good job of not allowing shots, and with uh, when you have Hellebuck in net there's kind of a, a natural marriage there. If you're not allowing shots and your goalie's really good, you're going to, you know, there's not going to be a lot of teams that score against you. The hard part is, is that they have to do their own thing on offense to match that high octane because, again, unless it's unless you get a really all-time performance from your defense, from your goaltending, you're going to have to start matching eventually. It's the way of the game now. It's everything's so fast and skaters are so talented. Um, you know, you're going to have to match that offense at some point. And while Winnipeg doesn't allow a lot of shots, they also don't, shoot a lot. They don't generate a lot of mm. awesome chances. They kind of grind it out, and they rely on some goaltending and some great defense, and they, you know, they win low-scoring games. That's kind of been their MO. Uh, is there so,
0: a stat for... Um, sorry, I didn't mean cut you off. Is there no, a stat ahead, for time of possession?
1: There is. Um, there There is possession. It's hard because in most other sports, it's very clear who has possession. Whereas mm. in hockey a lot of the game is spent with no team having possession. So time of possession is typically not... It's typically if a team has the puck in its attacking offensive zone. So if you are possessing the puck in the neutral zone or if you're has possessing the very puck in clear your defensive and obvious. zone... It has to be very clear. and has to be in a situation that could feasibly generate a scoring chance. So again, that's that's hmm. clear and obvious possessing of the puck by a team in their own offensive zone. So while there is possession metrics, uh, you know they, they, they're they not necessarily what you'd think of as possession on a you know on a holistic basis.
0: I guess when I watched Winnipeg versus Edmonton, I just felt like the Oilers never had the puck. I was like, man, the Winnipeg Jets are dominating time of possession or whatever it is, but like I I felt like whether true or not that the Jets had the puck more and had more scoring opportunities than Edmonton did. I I, I don't really care or know if the stats reflect it, but I know the feel of it was Edmonton just isn't getting opportunities. Is that maybe a potential way that Winnipeg, I mean, we're talking way in the future now, but Winnipeg could find a way to slow down Colorado? It's just we're going to have the puck more, or be fighting over in the middle, and you're not going to have as many scoring opportunities.
1: Yeah. So what you're talking about in terms of possession, I kind of outlined that. But there's also uh, this, there's an awesome website called Natural Stat Trick. It's kind of like Hat mm. Trick, but it's Stat Trick. <laughs> if any hockey fans want to go check okay. that out, it's they they measure. They measure everything. They're like the best resource in my opinion for like deep diving hockey analytics, but they, yeah. they do a really good job at scoring chance qualities. They measure uh, low, medium and high danger scoring chances. And then they take mm-hmm. metrics based on that. So they, they look at total counts. They look at um, uh, like high danger, all these, all these danger metrics. They look at uh, allowed for uh, a percentage of like a high danger shot saved by a goalie or, um, you know, if a team is getting a certain percentage of high danger chances against their opponents, all kinds of crazy stuff like that, this, this website tracks. And I've actually got a lot of their stuff in my notes here today. So in terms of what Colorado does with their chance generating, you're absolutely on, on, on the money in that that is how they do things. They, they generate crazy chances. Um, you know, everything they do is, is scary. Uh, I was just taking it. So they third. So I'll just, I took, took a look really quick, uh, high danger chances for percentage. It's a mouthful. It's basically of <laughs> high danger chances in a game. How many went to you? How many went to your opponent? Colorado's mm-hmm. third in that they're 58% wow. of high, of high danger chances in a game. Are for Colorado. Number two is Edmonton, who's not playing hockey anymore. They're playing golf right now. A lot of high danger chances on the putting greens for them, and uh, and Boston, who Boston. based on a lot of these a lot of these metrics are actually playing the best hockey in mm. in the postseason at this point. Okay. You know, we'll see how that turns out. But could we get Boston, load, Colorado, Colorado in the down. finals? We could.
0: That'd be cool. We could. Um, I'm curious. First of all, I think it's totally valid to talk about Colorado a lot because they are the Kansas City Chiefs, the New York Yankees, the – I'm trying to – New York probably a bad example. But whatever team is dominating in the sport, that's this one. They're dominating. They're the highlight. They're the star team. Uh, But I I do want to try to find something to say for St. Louis Blues fans who got swept, kind of embarrassed in round one. If you're a St. Louis Blues fan, do you just go, well, we ran into this – massive bullet train just ran us over. It wasn't really about us. It was about them being so good. Like, do you take any comfort in that?
1: That's the solace that you would take if you're a Blues fan. And also, they dealt with, both in the postseason and in the regular season, they they had some injury luck or bad okay. luck, I should say, that yeah. is pretty unprecedented. I don't think they were a team even completely healthy that's going to make a crazy deep postseason run, but they definitely look a lot better than they did against Colorado, and they look a lot better than they did during the regular season if that yeah. full team is there. So if you're, if you're St. Louis... Um, you know, you're stoked that two years ago you hoisted the Stanley Cup for the first time in like a thousand years, and <laughs> um, you know, you've what are you gonna do this year? It's a it's a weird year already with with the division alignments yeah. with COVID stuff. You clearly just had a you know a bad bit of injury luck. What do you do? You you retool. You come back next year and hope that that you know the the hockey gods are on your side, so to say, um, next season. So, you know, it's it sucks for them. They're gonna go cry into the Stanley Cup it's still fresh. It's <laughs> kind of the deal. yeah. I mean,
0: I it crocodile tears, right? Like exactly. oh like, poor you.
1: Well, and then like and it's so, like so so now because we have to talk about it and we can continue on, you know, we can make this a nice a nice separating point, but the the Toronto Maple Leafs um no Stanley Cups since 1967. Nope. No first round wins since 2004. Wow, this I is, didn't know that. This is hockey town. You are the team. You have the the nice arena, and your then your upper bowl seats cost $400, and you sell every game, and you are the squad. And I like I, like I, I sat here watching the conclusion of Game 7 of that Montreal-Toronto series, and I just can't help but think, like, this team, it doesn't matter who you are, if how you get to Toronto, you put on the blue and white sweater, and this is going to sound rude, you take on loser DNA. You just like they've lost eight straight closeout games. This team, as soon as the lights get at their get to their brightest, they forget how to play, and it's mm-hmm. I, it's baffling. It boggles the mind. This is a team that, after game four, when they they win handily. You think, man, they're up 3-1 in the series, and if that first game, when Tavares gets hurt, doesn't sap the energy of our team, we're probably looking at a sweep here. And again, this is a seven-game series loss, and Tavares doesn't play, so you could take that how you will if Tavares is there. Yeah. They probably win. They probably win in fewer than seven, frankly. But still, you're a team that up and down on paper is so much better. You choke mm-hmm. away a 3-1 series lead, and it's, it's just... I don't there it's the most torture it's got to be the most tortured fan base in sports and at this point Toronto fans I, I'm a, I'm a Vancouver Canucks fan feeling bad for Toronto fans that's how bad it's gotten it's wow. I don't if there's no words again it's just it's loser dna and I'm sorry to Toronto fans It's probably going to ruffle feathers but like what you, what can you say at this point there's nothing to say
0: Who's uh you said what's the J name J- J- Jonathan
1: Tavares, Tavares. he Tavares. Tavares he was the one that, that that got that knee in game 1 the, their captain oh, yeah. Like their second or best yeah, yeah, player yeah, yeah. Who who gets hurt? He plays. It's probably a Toronto win. Do you probably break whatever this tragic? Yeah. What, is it a curse if it's the first round? Like, do do we get a call first round exits a curse? The sixty seven Stanley Cup that's a that's a curse because that's been a long time. You haven't won a cup, but it's 2004 first round exit, something that's a curse. Maybe if you're you know maybe it's gotten so bad they're gonna call it a curse. I don't know, but either Why, way, I'm curious.
0: Is, is it the city? Is it the city that's the problem?
1: I legitimately I, I don't. It's befuddling, right? And I, the problem that I think they're going through now, we joke, you know, I joke about loser DNA. And again, that's, that's, it's pretty direct, but it's, that's how you, it's how you feel at this point, right? It's if you're an outsider and I know Toronto fans feel the same way incidents in years past, I, you know, it's every year, every team's different this year. It's, it's how they've allocated their resources. Um, Yeah. I've actually, I've got a bunch of notes here on. Toronto. I thought I, I, really was geared up to talk about this Toronto thing because I think it's huge. Despite the fact that we're in the second round of the playoffs, it's huge news that this team that's got all the money in the world and all the fan support in the world continues to just be awful. Yeah. So, let me
0: clarify, for anyone who missed it, by the way, the, the Montreal Canadiens beat the Toronto Maple Leafs yes. in seven games. Yes. And the, the Maple Leafs had a 3-1 to lead in the series and completely blew it. So if, any, if anyone didn't, somehow didn't know that, that's what happened. The one, and, seed,
1: the one seed in this division. They were the best team yeah. in the division.
0: Correct. And, and, and it's and, Toronto. It's hockey capital. Ca- I guess not USA. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like hockey like capital, capital USA. North America.
1: It's hockey yeah, capital it's a, of the world. I mean, yeah. I mean, I would say like it's it's the biggest. It's hockey's everything they have, and it's they just continue to crumble. It's I again. I there, there's not much you can say. And again, I think it's the way that they've constructed this team is not conducive to winning in the postseason. When your best players mm. are only playing a third of the game. And you're spending. So I think that there's a fundamental flaw in how management in the NHL looks at team building. I think it's 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 archaic. I think it's antiquated. They're looking at dollars, and you can't look at dollars because it's a hard cap league. There's no exceptions like in the NBA, and it's not like the it's not like the MLB where you can just spend and spend and spend. It's the, like the NFL and that it's a hard cap league. But the difference is that the NFL is paying 53 guys. The, the NHL teams are paying 23. So. You have to look at things not in dollars because of how the cap increases. You have to look at things in percentage of cap. I feel very strongly about that, that no matter what the dollar is, old-school GMs see a guy getting paid $10 million, they think he's literally weighing Gretzky. That's going to be the norm in five or six years when the cap continues to increase. That's the way that these things work. But Mm -hmm. there's going to be GMs who refuse to pay their good players because they don't want to pay a guy eight figures because they think that's the craziest number they've ever seen. It needs to be percentage of cap. That's how you have to look at it. That's how I feel very strongly about that. So circling back to Toronto, they. I, so I looked at the eight remaining teams in the in the playoffs, and I looked at Toronto. And that's I looked at the top three Fords, with one exception, which is like your offensive players typically, and what percentage of those top three players made of the NHL salary cap this season. Toronto is at 40.2%. The next closest team is the Lightning, and that's because they cheated the cap quite literally, and I can go into that further if you'd like. They're at 30.4%. They're at 10% lower, and they cheated the cap. Toronto's paying – 40% of Toronto's payroll goes to three guys, and that's problematic because it's a hard-cap league. You don't have any more money. The Tavares signing – probably felt really, really good for general manager Kyle Dubas. He's a young guy. He's a very analytically driven, mathematically driven general manager, which is kind of new for hockey. And there's no doubt that signing a guy like Tavares probably made him feel pretty good. It's a blue chip signing. But that 10 and change per year, whatever it is he's making, it's it's somewhere in there. Um, that has a lot more – that's a lot more costly than just the number because it completely – it it makes you devoid of of real depth, and that's what you need. That's what you find you need. Come yeah. spring, it's a more what costly say, signing.
0: It, it sounds like paying a quarterback too much in football. You pay your quarterback everything, and there's nothing left to spend for the rest of your team.
1: And that's what it is. And that's and that's so. I mean, so like a team like like uh, like Colorado, I think they're going to win the cup, right? Mm-hmm. Toronto forty point two percent. Colorado's at twenty five point eight percent. Because Nathan McKinnon is on the best what does contract that mean? in hockey. What does
0: that stat break down? What that stat actually means?
1: So there's so the, there's the NHL so there's a salary cap just like in football yep. there's you know yep. hard cap can't spend any more than this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Colorado is spending 25.8 percent of their available money, the salary cap mm-hmm. that everybody has, yep. on their top three guys. And I chose top three kind of arbitrarily, and yeah. you could argue the, this guy's number three not number four. I I get it right like yeah. Yell at me in the comments. I guess I don't know. I chose three guys that are I think the best on the team in terms of forwards, and I looked at what they're spending on those guys in terms of cap percentage. Colorado is spending about a quarter of their available cap on their top three guys, which actually sounds like a lot. It's pretty normal. Toronto's over 40 percent, right? That's exceedingly high.
0: Mm. Almost half your salary cap is on three. Almost half your salary
1: cap, and then there's a team like the, the Hurricanes who are at 17.3%, very, very small. And the reason mm. for that is because they're probably second best player, Andre Svechnikov, he's on his rookie deal. Just like what the Eagles did, right? When they won their Super Bowl, it's what teams are trying to do now. You try to get your quarterback in on, you know, even the, the Chiefs are the, the most recent example. That's an even better one. You're, you're trying to build a team around your best player when your best player is still cheap on a rookie deal. Same concept. That's exactly what teams should be doing. Um, yeah. Toronto's just opted to completely not do that and pay three guys, probably at market value, but they are consciously deciding that they are going to be devoid of any real depth. Because, by the way, when you're as good as Toronto, you don't get a pick very high. So all these rookies mm-hmm. you're going to bring in aren't going to be guys that are going to contribute yeah. the same way a top-five pick would. So, you know, it creates difficulties. I think that I, I respect Kyle Dubas. I respect the way he runs the Leafs. I, I like the way that he's thinking about things. But I think he's mismanaged his resources. And what it's makes you say that you
0: like how he runs things?
1: Hockey is a very how do I decide, how do I, I guess how do I say it? It's a it's a sport not unlike football that's a little bit resistant to new age change. Even baseball was this way. Everybody's seen Moneyball, right? That's a, that's yeah. a true story. The way that they responded to it's an awesome movie. The way that they responded to Billy's you know approach to baseball. They think it's new age. They think it's too.
0: Okay, so I told you there was a weird cut. Uh, This was the moment, if you're watching on YouTube, you can look at my face when I realized, oh, Austin cut out. And we'd been having technical problems all day. And it was actually very fortunate because I had to go to this family dinner in 10 minutes anyway from that exact moment. So I was oblivious to the time. Don't tell my fiance. Um, I would have been very late if if he hadn't cut out. So him and I continued the conversation later on that night. Uh, It was like 5 o'clock when we recorded. So now the conversation will continue uh, later on in the night. Enjoy the rest of my conversation with Austin. All right, we are back. Uh, We took a break by accident. It's now been five hours. It's 11.28 p.m. It's been an entire baseball game. terrible, by the way. Oh, you went to I'm the Mariners sorry. game, which was probably, I assume, bad, right? Because the Mariners are terrible.
1: They got shelled, but, uh, you know, it was an eventful <laughs> game. I think they, it ended 12-6 uh, <sighs> in true Mariners fashion. They managed to put up six runs, which might be a season high for them, and still get doubled up.
0: So I'm not a Mariners fan anymore, and I chose that. I'm not really either. The I'm so cool. anymore. It's fun, yeah. though. Baseball games are fun. Exactly. I went yeah. to dinner. Dinner, Family dinner was actually fucking... Uh, I, I said, that's my fucking show. I can say what I want. I try not to everyone. cuss ever, but I can do it occasionally. It was terrible. Like, literally... The worst family dinner I've ever had. Uh, it was with some toxic people, had a hard conversation. Like, not fun. Like, And so now I'm very relieved at 11.28 p.m. after a hard day to sit down, talk some hockey with my good friend, continue our conversation from earlier. Absolutely. Um, I'm so excited. So where we left off, we were talking about why you like the Toronto Maple Leafs general manager.
1: I do. Yeah. So his name's Kyle Dubas. He's the, uh, he's the the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's a young guy. He started in the, in the junior hockey ranks, um, and has built his way up into being the general manager of perhaps the most speculated upon, most covered, most intriguing, and, um, you know, most (sighs) interesting, I'll even say. Um, the biggest they're the Dallas Cowboys. And of the hockey. biggest. And the biggest. Without a doubt the biggest. There's a lot of there's a lot that goes into being the general manager of the Maple Leafs that you don't get when you're the general manager of the Florida Panthers. Um yeah. the reason I like him is because he brings a fresh faced new approach to managing a hockey team. Mm. Hockey for decades had this very grit and grind approach. It was the old school way, it was being very physical, it was lots of hitting, and there's still a place for that in the game today. But the game has gotten so much faster and more skilled, like a lot of sports do, and with that, your analysis and your team building strategies need to follow suit, right? So, Kyle Dubas has taken this very Moneyball type approach. It's uh, it's very analytical, it's very mathematical, it's very statistically based, and that's kind of been what he's hung his hat on. And I like mm-hmm. that he is pioneering, um, this approach to team building. That said, like I said before our break, I think that some, I, I, I don't exactly know what it is. I've never talked to the guy, I couldn't say. Yeah. But I think that he had the prospect in signing a big blue chip free agent in John Tavares, and he paid him too much money. And I think that a guy that has otherwise been, like I said, a fresh face and a nice new look into managing a hockey team um, has made a mistake that's very soon very very soon in the coming weeks or months he's going to have to get himself out of a jam and it's going to be interesting to see how he manages that because there's going to be some tough decisions and you can almost guarantee now that this Leafs core in some way is not going to come back um in its
0: entirety will this be a step backward for the way hockey teams are built like it sounds like he was a step Forward in some kind of progress, and this might be a giant step back that he failed basically this year.
1: The difference is, or the hard part is, is that it's just it's the one mistake, and I mean, every GM makes mistakes, right? Nobody's perfect. Nobody bats a thousand yeah. in this. It's just that the this this signing that looks like it might become a a pretty glaring mistake is going to be far more costly than. Um, you know, a GM that signs a guy or two on short term for not a lot of money. Maybe you pay him a million, a million, two more than you should. He's out in two years and it's a bad signing and it might keep you back, but ultimately it's not going to be that you're complete undoing. And that's not to say that this Tavares signing necessarily did do that because he's an amazing player, and it's not even necessarily his fault. It's just the fact that there's so much money tied up in so few guys. It's hard to sustain that when come hockey in spring, you need you know 23 guys that are going to contribute and work hard and play really well. And when you're spending as much money as they are on those guys, it's hard to find that.
0: So is the problem that he spent a ton of money on Tavares, and then Tavares got hurt?
1: It's not even that he got hurt. It's just that they have these two guys in, in Marner and Matthews who are budding superstars and who are already getting paid eight figures and it's hard to tell a GM with money to spend to not go out and get the best available guy in the market which mm-hmm. Tavares was that year and obviously him getting hurt in a in a series that you lose in seven doesn't do you any favors but that's what I'm saying I don't think it's necessarily just that one signing in a vacuum it's what it creates it's now it's, it's there's a there's a there's like a, a sunk cost type thing here in that not only now are you out the money for Tavares? But you're not out the money because he's been a great player, so you're spending mm-hmm. it, you know, the way you'd want to. But there's there's an opportunity cost in not being able to get some depth pieces that can contribute, you know, when your yeah. stars aren't playing their best. I mean, Corey Perry, who's was a good player in his, you know, eight, ten years ago, however long it was, he's a great, he's a good player. He's still hanging around, but nowhere near what he was when he was an Anaheim Duck. Uh, he outscored Marner and Matthews this series. And not to say that you know, he's not a better player, clearly, but it's just one of those things where you're spending $22 million or whatever it is on those two guys combined, and they get outscored by a guy who's going to be out of the league in the next three or four years, if not sooner. Mm-hmm. It's You can't have that. And yeah. you, he bought it. The Toronto Maple Leafs management bought themselves out of building a playoff team in favor of building a regular season team is the way that I yeah. kind of approached it.
0: What's the then they make some big trade at the trade deadline – and it was basically a rental that's now gone. And they traded like a big mortgage to get him. Like, weren't they all in on some move? Am I wrong about that?
1: That was, so that was the the Bruins um, had their, the Taylor Hall trade. We talked about that last episode. Go. In terms of a, a trade for the Maple Leafs, I'm having a hard time. I, I, you know, I, I don't believe so. Or they—they they actually lied. They acquired Nick Foligno. They acquired Nick Foligno, who's the former captain of the Columbus Blue mm-hmm. Jackets. Good player, um, and you know clearly it's not enough. But he's—he's he's a good player. He's leadership, and that's—I that, guess that's a, that's a good segue into my next point: is that you expect this team, who's very top-heavy, but also has a ton of former leadership in kind of its bottom-bottom lines. You got Joe Thornton, who was. Uh, the captain of the Sharks forever, the Bruins before that, he was a great player there. You've got Wayne Simmons, who wore a letter in Philadelphia during his time there. You've got Nick Foligno, who wore a letter in Columbus. There's a lot of leadership on this team, a lot of guys who have been there before and done that and played a lot of NHL games. Where are these guys when you're mm-hmm. gripping, when you're up 3-1? Where are these guys to to come and say, hey, let's put this away or in Game 7? We need to work harder. We need to play better. The expectations are lower for guys who are making fractions of dollars, like your top end guys are. But it's you still ask the question. It's like, it seems like it's just endemic all the way down the roster. It's the the goal scorers aren't goal scoring. The leaders aren't leading. What I don't you don't get what's going on here. It's, it's craziness.
0: Here's another mark against the Maple Leafs, GM. They traded for Nick Foligno, They gave up a first round pick and a fourth round pick. Yeah. And he's a free agent and the speculation is he's going to go back to the Columbus Blue Jackets. He's going to go back from where he came from. So they're going to they traded him away to make a run and didn't finish their run. So that trade almost looks useless now. Which is brutal. I, I, that's that's rough stuff, man.
1: These are the kind of these are the kind of trades that can sink you. It it's true. And I mean and they also acquired uh they acquired Riley Nash in at the deadline as well. Um from columbus as well for a for a seventh round pick and riley nash mm-hmm. is you know a, a good player and a seventh round pick the statistics are not great right. um for you know a seventh round pick's gonna make the nhl it doesn't happen very often but it's still it's just it's throwing resources away for what a best case scenario our rentals or our band-aids and you're not even getting what you expect out of it it's it's become a nightmare in toronto and it wouldn't be that big of a deal if they didn't have this cloud of repeated postseason failures looming over their heads. But when you finally believe, as a Maple Leafs fan, that this might be your year, you win the division, you're looking, you know, locked and loaded. You do really well in the regular season. You make these trades to further set you up for success later on, and it all comes crumbling down in a, you know, losing three straight to a, a frankly, a worse team. It's it's not good times in Toronto right now. I'm not jealous of, of Toronto management.
0: Well, the story is Toronto lost, right? No yeah. one's talking about the fact that it sounds like that the Montreal Canadiens won. Absolutely. So is there anything you can say good on their point. perspective? Like, what do they do? What, what, what can you say to their fan base right now that is like, hey, good job, or, you know, any analysis that there for Montreal?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, Carey Price is... So Carey Price is the first... Um, I believe the, the the stat that I saw was that he is the first player making ten million dollars a year to win a game seven. Yeah, you know, there's mm. only 13 guys in the league who are who are making that much money. He's one of them. Uh, you know, a, an amazing goaltender, first ballot Hall of Famer, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and uh, he he played great. He played great uh, when he had to in game seven. Although the Leafs didn't do a, a tremendous job of generating shots and making it hard on him, he played well when he had to. Uh, you know, a guy like that, he's Notoriously great in closeout games. I think his record in Game Sevens is something like six and two, which is pretty tremendous. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's you know he's got that clutch gene going on. He's a guy that can win you any one game. There's a lot of guys like that who you know, aren't what they were, and he's not. But uh, you know, put him in in a one game situation, who knows what happens. The bad news for the Canadians is that this is not one game series hockey. This is you know you got to win four and seven. And yeah. as good as Price has been, as good as some of those guys in the, on the Canadians have been, um, you know Tyler Toffoli being one of them, Nick Suzuki another great player. They've had some guys. I just don't think that you don't think they can beat Winnipeg. Enough. I think they can beat Winnipeg. I don't think they will, mm. um, but it's certainly not off the table to me. I think that's where it stops. I think that whether yeah. it's Colorado or Vegas, I think the both of those teams just overwhelm them with talent and with experience and with all the things it takes to be a successful team in the spring. Yeah. Um, I think it's Colorado, but even if Vegas manages to, to pull the upset, I don't think it. You know, I don't think it changes the result for Montreal. I think mm. that the second round is um, the second round. Successes as far as they get.
0: Let's shift to Boston. And, and by the way, yeah. not that anyone cares, but I think it's funny. So I've got two cups now. The the big <laughs> cup blocks out the small cup completely. <laughs> And the small cup's LaCroix. I'm a LaCroix guy now, apparently, because I can't drink beer. It makes me, like, I'm just not a big beer guy. Yeah. Soda's too sugary. Freaking LaCroix is, like, all the fun of, like, a, a fruity drink or something like that, but none of the consequences. So, What's your like, flavor? Uh, I, I just—this is my first time ever getting LaCroix. I got it, like, literally, like, 10 minutes ago at Safeway. Oh, on way home. so you're,
1: like, new to it. Okay. Oh, yeah.
0: I got peach and blackberry, and I—the blackberry's good. It's almost gone. I drank it really fast. Blackberry, so I, much I think, it.
1: is— I think Blackberry is when it comes to the to the flavored water segment, I think that Blackberry is the most consistent hit for me. It seems like there's not a lot of bad Blackberry flavored beverages happening. It's gone. Killed it's good, it.
0: man. It's gone dude, I loved it. So update on the cups, that's what's happening. So now, yeah. um <laughs> I love this stupid show. It's so much fun. Uh the Boston Bruins beat the Washington Capitals in five games, four to one. Yeah. But it was closer than a four to one victory, right? I mean it was back OC. and forth some overtime games. What'd time. you make of that series?
1: Boston's a better team, and mm. um, you know, I, I just as I, I just as I took my victory lap for picking the Islanders earlier, I'll I'll take my lickings here for picking the Capitals, not only to win round one but to also win round two. Uh, a miss for me there. What can I say? We all, you know, it all, it always happens. Boston was yeah, yeah, with with <laughs> bad strikes one, two, and three.
0: <laughs> We've all done it. Uh, oh, I, I've made videos about my being wrong, so I've been there. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, no, you know what are you going to do? You do you pick enough teams, you pick enough games, you're going to be wrong. Um no, the Boston's the better team and yeah. Caps fans are going to walk away from this series saying, "Hey, you know, and I said it on our last show and it was you know when it was really in the series, I said, you know, a couple bounces go this way, go that way. We're looking at a different series." And Capitals fans can walk away from this believing that because it is, you know. It is in some ways true, but you look at the way Boston has played since um, you know the 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 underlying stuff with them expected goals and expected goals against their the results are worse than the play on ice should dictate it being if that makes sense I think yeah. there's I think they're only going up I think the Islanders are gonna give them a chance uh, you know give them a series I don't think it's gonna be just a you know a stomping necessarily but um, Boston just looks better they look like they're catching fire at the right time they uh I think the Caps were a little bit lucky to get to where they were and where yeah. they got was a 4-1 series loss
0: well I think man the and this sounds so silly but it is comforting if you're like actually a player on a team is hey you might have lost but you gave them everything you had and you made it really difficult on them like there, there's some nobility in that you lost but hey you made it tough
1: yeah you're gonna look at the Wikipedia page of the 2021 Stanley Cup championships you know in 10 years and you're gonna see Boston beat Washington four to one and you're going to think, man, that was crazy. But nobody in the Boston locker room is saying, you know, that was an easy series. No one's feeling good about how, about how that yeah. went. Everybody's thinking, you know, wow. Sigh of relief. Sigh relief. Washington gave us a fight. And if you look in your crystal ball, there's a few different scenarios where that goes horribly wrong. And, you know, and if it on, on the furthest spectrum, it goes completely opposite. And, you know, you're thinking, man, if only we could have had those bounces yeah, good teams find a way to make their own luck and great teams capitalize on that luck. Um Boston did that and Washington didn't and I think yeah. Boston will continue to do that.
0: What's fun about moving forward is you got the New York Islanders and the Boston Brewers. Boston against New York in the hockey play like dude, there's I bet that atmosphere of those stadiums is going to be phenomenal. Like that that sounds like a lot of fun to watch and be involved yeah. in.
1: Yeah. So New York the Islanders have played yeah. in now Nass- in Nassau Coliseum for a hundred years for a long time, and oh, wow. it's a rinky dink, old, pretty decrepit, yeah. but incredibly soulful and personable and character. It's got, character. It's got it, it, people say that about arenas that suck, <laughs> yeah. and this isn't one of those times. like it mm. actually has character. um they've had great success in 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 that arena dating back again, you know decades. They briefly left to an arena in Brooklyn because they were tearing their the, – the Coliseum's done. I believe after this year, the Coliseum's done. And they moved to Brooklyn briefly to um, to kind of try out this new setting, and it sucked. You couldn't see the ice, like a third of the ice, from a bunch of the seats because of the scoreboard. It was a terrible setting. It was awful. Is it awful. the basketball, uh, the Barclays Center? It, I think it was Barclays, yeah.
0: Where, where the Nets play, I think, in Brooklyn. Where the Nets Sounds... play, yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. And it just isn't set up right. The, the sight lines are not set up for hockey very well, and it was a terrible experience. So they've since moved back to Nassau briefly to conclude its time before they, you know, finish up a stadium that I believe is being built for hockey, mm. um, you know, to move on. So it's, you know, pour one out for, for the great Nassau Coliseum. Um,
0: but what if they could end so on a it, high note, like a good series, exactly right, ones, like... and that's
1: where I was going with it. It's like, yeah, it's you've got this historic arena, and now it's like this one last ride, and it's Boston. Like, what you, it, it could be anybody, right? But you want it to be Boston. It's the Bruins. They're right across the yard. You know, the 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 fans, indignant in their own separate ways, full of energy. Um, it's it's gonna be raucous, and you know. I, I, I would like to be a fly on the wall of any in any family that happens to be split down the line like Bruins Islanders I'm not sure how common that would be but some fun like arguments over the dinner table for the next couple of weeks. Dude it's I tap.
0: There's a moment when I watched a, a, a game in Boston and I went I have to go watch a professional hockey game especially like in the Stanley Cup finals. I believe it was 2 years ago. I think I think my memory if my memory's correct, 2 years ago Boston Bruins and the St. Louis Blues. Is that actually right? Well done. Yep. Game seven in Boston, and I think Boston lost actually. They but did. I remember that the pregame, the vibe, the energy, the passion. I was like, dude, that looks like so much fun to go to a game in Boston with that fan base. Like, oh my gosh, I I, rabid. I hope someday. In fact, if if I ever get what I would like to do, because I I just love to do shit like this. If we could get press passes or even tickets, like somehow because. We maybe media could help us out. I'd take you as my cameraman and we just go watch a dope ass hockey game. I it'd be so fun. I, I'm cussing you a lot me, tonight. I think I had a really give, rough dinner and I am just like it'd But be so fun to go to that with you. Like I just like, ah, that sounds like so cool.
1: It's a historic team, you know, they're an original six team. they uh it's it's there's so many guys over the years from, you know, literally yeah to, uh, decades and decades and decades, Bobby Orr all the way on up and there's yeah. so many there's so much history uh, of of Bruins hockey. There's so much to, to dig into, and I, I've never been to the Garden, um, old or new, but yeah. the way that people talk about it, like there's this energy in in it, and it just it's so palpable. And that's yeah.
0: Uh, let's talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning. Unless there's, do you have more about Boston or or um, that series?
1: Uh, you know. Nothing crazy. Quick notes. I mean, the Islanders are are due for regression. they their expected goals for versus their actual goals goals for. It's about it's about a 33% decrease they mm-hmm. could expect to see. And obviously, this is you know we're not we're playing hockey. We're not doing math, so you never know yeah. exactly how it's going to go. But based on what we're seeing from them, they're due for some sort of regression. Boston, on the other hand, is leading in high in the high danger chances for. So they're doing a good job of of generating really really scary scoring chances for the opposite team. Um, and you know they're 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 playing well on that front. So uh, look for more of that. Uh, Boston's got a ton of experience. Their group up and down has played in a lot of playoff games, and that matters tremendously in the Stanley Cup more so than other postseasons in other sports. So, you know, it's it's another notch in their cap. And the Islanders have played 51 more minutes than any other team. They've played 96 more than Boston. 96 is a game and a half's worth more they've played when you're getting into this time of year. uh, Every minute matters. So, you know, the Islanders very easily could see you know some slow legs if we get further yep. into the series. So just, again, some notes there to look for uh, in that series. I think Boston takes it probably six games.
0: Okay. I was I was going to ask you if you had a, a prediction. It sounds like Boston. It did sound – the Islanders still regressed a little bit. Boston's playing really well. Boston yeah. wins in six. I love that. I th- yep. So the Tampa Bay Lightning beat the Florida Panthers in six games. They won the series 4-2. to before we get into Tampa Bay, Florida, the battle for Florida, like the, this cool, mm-hmm. it's kind of like getting to watch Miami, the Miami Dolphins play like the Jacksonville Jaguars in the playoffs. Like It'd be, it'd be incredible, right? But you kept saying something earlier. I've heard you say the Tampa Bay Lightning cheated the cap. What does yes. that
1: mean? Yes. Okay. So this requires some setup. Go ahead. The, so there's this, there's this thing in hockey. It's called the LTIR. It's Long-Term Injured Reserve and this is for when a guy is going to be is, is hurt. He's he's hurt and he's going to be out for quite a while, for a long time. This allows you to keep the player on the team, but it basically negates his cap so you can spend to replace him. So oh. so the, the 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 Tampa Bay Lightning, their I'll say their best player, I think is their best player, at least their best skater no doubt, um Nikita Kucherov. He's their goal-scoring, Russian sniper, amazing player. Super flashy, really great at hockey, really great at scoring goals from everywhere. He's just a fun guy to watch. He is on the books for, I believe, $9.5 which is a, a a very highly paid player and deservedly so. He had, I believe it was a hip injury, I might be wrong, uh, way back early in the season that he was going to have to have some work done on and, uh, and, and sit out for. And the Lightning... Very obviously, just through what we saw in his timeline of recovery, we're purposefully having him not play because he's on LTIR. If he comes back, he's now counting his $9.5 against the cap. Tampa Bay is already a team that spends right up to the cap, so they've got no flexibility. Now, where this matters for, for the postseason is that come playoff time, there actually is no salary cap. And the reason that that is possible is because the trade deadline happens, so no more trades can happen, and there comes a date where you can no longer add to your roster. So mm. if you can't add any players and you can't trade any players, what's the point of having the salary cap, right? Well, what they're able to do is come postseason time when they th- turn salary cap off in the menus, they bring Nikita Kucherov back. So now his $9.5 that they have now replaced with other help and spent right back up to the cap again, they get him back, so they now have those players that they got, and now they also have him.
0: So they have a ton of depth, I would imagine, right?
1: They're an incredibly deep team.
0: I love that. I, I know that's it's a loophole. It, it reminds me of the news Close it, NHL. Gary Bettman, Finding, close
1: the loophole if you don't like it. Like, yeah, that's,
0: it's, that's how you win. You find a way to beat your opponent by any way you can within the rulebook. I, I think that's awesome. I love that. I'm the kind of guy doing basketball. Like I'd elbow a bunch and like take cheap shots that no one saw. Like I, I, love playing dirty. And That's exactly what the Tampa Bay Lightning are doing. That's awesome. Am I wrong? Like that's is that your reaction when you hear that? It's you know
1: it's uh, it's it's a uh, there's a lot of disagreement on this topic. I even saw somebody in your in your comments on the last video we did you know, that made special note of it. And he didn't seem to be such a big fan of it. They didn't seem to be such a big fan of it. Uh, you know depends on who you ask if you're in the Tampa Bay area I think you're probably a pretty big fan of what they've been doing if you're yeah. not you know it's it's kind of a, it's a varied response I'm kind of with you in that you know if, if it's here every team can do it right the reason that this has worked for Tampa is because they've managed to feel the roster of such great players that they have to pay them to stick around and now they have this other awesome player Kucherov who, who's back and he scored two goals and got an assist in his first game back so I think the hips feeling okay and uh you know here they are they're loaded and other teams, I, I refuse to believe if you pull 30 other GMs, if they were put in a situation where they have so much talent, they literally can't afford to pay them all, except for they have this loophole where they can bring in more depth and still keep their stars around for the postseason, every single one of them doesn't. And the reason they don't yeah. do it now is because they don't have the talent.
0: Mm. Yeah, man, I, well, they're coming off a title, aren't they? They're. Dude, I, it feels very New England. Like what the Patriots used to do in football. They'd find a way does to like...
1: feel very New England.
0: Oh, we found this rule, and we can use it to just beat the crap out of you. I, I, I think, again, I, I feel... Un- I understand anybody who doesn't like that. I get why they would feel that way. Yeah. But you should be mad at the NHL as a league, not at Tampa Bay. If they don't like it, change the rule.
1: That's kind of my default response to a lot of things that are that are broken within a league. I mean, like a, it's, it's kind of off topic, but it, people are complaining a lot now in basketball about foul baiting and how often fouls mm-hmm. get called. And to me, yeah. when you're grading, when, when I, if I'm a player and my paycheck and my, my stature within the game and how many minutes I play and all this stuff dictates is dictated upon how many points I score. Yes. I'm foul baiting. I'm going to get to the line. I'm going to keep storm yeah. because that's my paycheck. If I make all NBA, I get an extra, I get a raise. I get a bonus. These are things that matter. If you don't like it, yell at the league, yell at the officials, yell at Adam Silver, yell at whoever you want. Don't yell at the players because they're going to keep doing it and I would too and I don't blame them. And it's the same deal here. Yell at the league, get mad at Gary Bettman, don't get mad at Tampa Bay.
0: Yeah, I think sports and business are different. I think business you need to, ethics are much more important. Of course. Um, Like if you're in business, you probably don't do everything you can to squeeze everything out of something because that probably means stepping on someone else and I I don't like that. But in the world of sports... You're winning. I go back to rec basketball in college. I did everything I possibly could to get an advantage, and I don't care if you – I want to beat you. That's you're, you're, that's
1: sports, dude. It's You play it to win the game. Everybody's yeah. heard it a million times, right? You play yeah. to win the game, and that's what the Lightning are doing. And if you talk about a business, look at the revenues of teams that win their respective league championships. Winning makes owners money. It just does. Yeah. It gets GMs – Raises it gets players raises it makes owners money. Winning is super super profitable.
0: Yeah, I would just be they careful. Like, I wouldn't. I often like like relating sports to real life, and I yeah. that's not one I would carry into real life. The whole do anything you can for to get sure. ahead because like if you're on Wall Street and you're stealing people's entire retirement funds, like that's not cool. I don't you don't do of anything you can to win there. But man, in sports, I am all for it because it's sports. There's a reason I chose to talk about sports for a living. It's because the consequences are pretty small. And so when they hang
1: the when they hang the banner, there's no asterisk that says you know
0: no. Stanley
1: Cup champions. But Nikita Kucherov was 9.5 million over the cap, and they shouldn't. There's no asterisk there. No. It's just a, it's just a banner. Kobe said it right. Friends hang. Sometimes banners hang forever. That banner hangs forever, and that's yeah. what matters.
0: What about the Florida Panthers? I mean, did they ever have a chance? What was the any consensus there? I, I felt like um, the battle for Florida was cool, but like the the general idea was, hey, the Lightning are going to win the whole time.
1: Florida was great the entire year. i have been in a group chat with a couple other hockey guys that I that mm-hmm. I, we talk. You know, we talk the game a lot, and um, you know when Florida was on top of the league early, you know, six eight weeks into the season, we're kind of talking about how real are they? Is this an extended hot streak, or does this team look like they're for real? And I thought they looked for real, and I still think they're a great team. And one of the guys in the in the chat says, "Do you actually see them winning four and seven against Tampa?" And I said, "Probably not." And I, my mm. feelings haven't really changed. It's a good quality team with a lot of, you know, hope and a lot of things to be excited about. That's just not quite that team yet.
0: They're a but playoff there's team, that's it. a lot of time it.
1: for them. They're a playoff team for them. They're going to make some noise. They're going to keep doing it. And honestly, you know, when you look at fans of, you know, Ottawa – or something, these perennially awful teams. You'll take being a, a, a you know a consistent playoff team. You take watching your team in May. It's it's exciting to do that. There's no shame in that for Florida. They've got plenty of time to take a step or two. Right now is not their time. Tampa's loaded. You know it is what it is. No no shame on Florida. They had a great year.
0: Our second to last series, the Carolina Hurricanes beat the Nashville Predators in six games, four to two. Uh, what are your thoughts there?
1: You know what? Nashville gave them some trouble, man that was, I, I went into that series thinking that, uh, that, that yeah, you poo
0: pooed them. You were like, oh, Nashville got no shot. I I, people were
1: mad them. about that. I did. People I did. Were upset. I lit. I did. And I think that day that we did that interview, I think they won a double overtime game. Um, <laughs> probably so, you know, that's we, just our what, luck, right? What are you going to do? I, you know, I, uh, Nashville game, gave them some trouble and good on them. You know, that's a team that's got some postseason experience themselves. They know how to win deep. They know how to, you know, how to win in overtime. Clearly. Um, Credit them. You know, I, I, Carolina found their stride when they needed to, and they, and they, they gutted it out in the mm. way that winning teams do. And, you know, I, I thought it would be easier for them. It wasn't credit Nashville again. Um, and I think that's the cracks that we saw in Carolina are going to continue to manifest themselves in Tampa. And everybody's going to say, well, look at the shot count. Carolina's generating, you know, all this offense. Tampa's going to have to, to be, you know, on their, on their heels. Something I noticed when I was going through stuff is that um, Carolina's leading the postseason in low-danger shots. So hmm. they are leading they're leading the postseason in shots, which you think, oh, man, they're generating a ton of offense, like it's only going to be – But know, they're not good a, shots. They're not good shots, and that's what Toronto dealt with in their Game 7. They're not good quality chances. So you look at the, the raw stuff and you think Carolina's just this offensive dynamo and the dam's going to break soon and they're going to put up five, six goals a game. And the underlying stuff doesn't support that, and I think mm. that against a, a much better Tampa team that's got the that's that's got the winning DNA from just last season and you know and beyond previous years, um, I think that runs out for Carolina. I think they're going to have to to retool how they do things. And Carolina goaltending, while it's been fine, it's not going to steal you a lot of games. It's been perfectly average, which again is fine, but it's you, when you're going up against a better team, you need to be better than average. And I don't think. Um, that that's there yet for them.
0: So advanced analytics uh, are really powerful. Often, even even in the NFL, uh, yeah. but often I I really hate stats. Like fantasy football drives me nuts because people get excited. And I'm like I'm like, dude, I interception can lie all the time. If I throw a great pass, it bounces off my receiver's forehead and gets picked off. It's a negative stat for me. That's ridiculous. So what I'm hearing about Carolina is that the stats on, on, from a a surface level Look great But when you get deeper Into the analytics of it You go Oh their shots Aren't good shots So they might have they're Great numbers They're not quite that are as lying.
1: scary As, as the uh, They're not quite as scary As the box scores Would make you think yeah. they are And that's yeah. me And there's going to be Carolina fans that In the comments That are like Oh you know that We're you know this, that, the other Defend thing. our team that's- that's fine. That's defend your team. I would too. That's fine. I just I don't see it. I think that uh, you know Vasilevsky's leading. T- rather, Tampa Bay goaltending is leading the postseason in um, in high danger save percentage. So you've got this combination now where Carolina has a hard time generating high danger chances anyway, and now this goaltending tandem. But it's mostly Vasilevsky. Andre Vasilevsky's the starting goaltender in, in in Tampa. He's doing a great job of shutting down the high danger chances. So you're not getting them. The goalie's good against them. I just don't see how they can keep up. Uh, offensively with Tampa, who is stout top to bottom. It, again, it's one of those things.
0: So if Tampa Bay lost to Carolina, you'd be surprised, to say the least.
1: I would be quite surprised.
0: Hey, yeah. that'll be fun. I'm gonna. I can't wait to talk about that in like two weeks.
1: I, you know what? And and if I if I'm wrong in that, and if Carolina manages to like gut out this really gritty like six or seven game series mm-hmm. win, then I hope they win it all because they deserve it. And I and I'll I'll happily take egg on my face for this really fun story because that's what it would be.
0: What could Carolina do to make you wrong?
1: Like how did how did they beat is, Tampa? Goaltending is going to have to perform better than it has so far. And again, it okay. hasn't been bad so far, but it's going to be better. Yeah. It's going to have to. It's going to have to really. But you have lead. a
0: guy get hot late in the year, and, and that's just,
1: what it's going to take. And that's what it's going to mm-hmm. take. That's going to be part of it. They're going to have to work in the offensive zone for higher quality chances. They're going to have to test Vasilevsky. They're going to have to make this dude work. He's this big behemoth in net who's also freakishly athletic. It doesn't make any sense um how he how he works in net if when you're watching tampa games it's so hard to look away from their star power out skating but when when carolina is is moving the puck in the zone and you're watching um you know them try to store just watching vasilevsky completely fill up the crease is shocking because he gets down into what they call butterfly which is when you put your legs down you kind of make him into a v and you put the pads flat across the ice and it's meant to prevent low shots and deflections and whatnot. This dude's so big and so limber, he can get into butterfly, which is a kneeling position, still take away the top part of the net. His reflexes are insane. His flexibility is insane. He just, he takes everything away. He's, it, he becomes a wall. And Carolina is going to have to solve that puzzle, um, which, you know, they were able to do it against Nashville, kind of, but they're going to have to do a much better job of that in, in this series to have a chance.
0: The butterflies when the knees are down and the legs kind of go out either side. And it yeah. Makes it's like, like, a
1: wall. Yeah, so I think if you're standing, if you're crouched, right, kind of a crouched position, and then you take the insides of your knees and you put them on the ground.
2: Oh,
0: I've seen that all the time. I, said, I, I didn't know yeah. it's called butterfly. That's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, so that's and, and a goalie will do that when the puck is kind of bouncing around near him or when a shot comes in because it intends to take away the low parts of the ice. If a goalie yeah. who's got an effective butterfly position can effectively take away the entire six-foot width of the net, um and about a foot and a half up, because that's the pad shelf. It's about a foot and a half, two feet-ish. Yeah. So you can take away that low part of the net. And what the sacrifice is, you're a little bit less agile and you're lower. So you ha- you rely on reactions, not positioning to make higher saves with mm. your blocker and with your glove. Yeah. So it's very, you know, goalies have their own tendencies on how to do things. And everybody's got strengths and weaknesses. But when you're that big and that athletic, you can afford to take the low parts of the net away because your athleticism allows you to jump back up if a shot jumps in high. Uh, push across the crease. There's a lot of different ways that goalies' athleticism can really take over for them, and he's just another example of that.
0: I, I think it's important to over-explain things. Uh, like, yeah. when I write my film analysis videos in with football, I write as if my dad was watching because my dad, God bless him, is an idiot, doesn't know anything about cover two and how to break down defense. So I try to over-explain. Yeah. You mentioned a phrase, you said, uh, low-risk shots, which I my inference was that means it's a shot it doesn't have a good chance of going in. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yep. And so Carolina has a lot of those, which means they're getting a lot of shots, but they're not actually good shots. Again, repeating so, what we said, but it's good to yeah. To really, so if Lotus, for anybody who doesn't know,
1: so kind of a top-down perspective of this would be, uh, you know, you look at the, what's called the offensive zone, and that's and that's when the team that is attacking is in the area of the ice that is that houses the goal in which they are trying to score on. They are in their offensive zone. In the offensive zone, there are two big circles that span across the ice. Those are the face-off circles. And then from in there, there's these hash marks that go inward. And mm-hmm. they call that general rectangle from kind of the front of the mouth out to the top of the face-off circles and wide as the hash marks is what they call the slot. The slot is the mm-hmm. high danger scoring opportunity. It's it's close to the net, but it's not too close. It's allows you to attack all sides of the net. You often have passing options. You have shooting options. It's a really dangerous place to be. And if you get a good goal scorer like Nikita Kucherov or Pasternak or Ovechkin, and they get the puck in the slot, it's probably going to be a goal. It's a really, really dangerous mm. spot. And then you get further out and further wide, and it becomes less dangerous. If you like, they, they showed a graphic uh, after the second period of the of the Game Seven Toronto uh, Montreal game, and Toronto had 19 shots at the time. Ten of them came from what we call the outer, the outer, um, offensive zone. So it would be like, uh, far back. So near the blue line and near the boards. So you're as far away from the net as you can be in those spots. And not only that, because you're on one side, the goalie can kind of cheat to that same side and take away your angles and come out and cut the angle of the shot down because it's not about what the player sees, it's about what the puck sees when you're trying to score, right? There's kind of this physics thing that goes with that. So they're generating shots from these places that are very easy to prevent goals being scored mm. from, and they're not doing yeah, good enough job of, of easy to block, easy to see coming. It's easy for a goalie to have some some sixth sense about him and say, okay, this is where the guy is. Like, the, my teammates got this guy over here as the passing option tied up, so that's mm-hmm. not going to go over there. So goalie can really commit to a shot coming from there, and if a goalie can sit on a shot, kind of like a hitter sitting on a fastball, you're going to have a hard time getting it by him. And that's where Toronto was generating chances from, and that's where Carolina has kind of formed a habit of generating chances from, is these low-danger, easy-to-save environments.
0: That That is why we brought Austin on. That's the nerdy hockey stuff I came for. I learned so much. That's awesome. I love and, and that.
1: You'll, and you'll and you'll see it like if you it doesn't take yeah. long like a couple of periods you're gonna see you're gonna find I do this thing all the time where like when I'm watching something I'll, I'll watch like horse racing and I'll watch like three <laughs> races and be like I man the jockey should have done something different there like yeah. I know what I'm talking about yeah. you're gonna notice it if you like watch that's a game, bad gonna, shot that's a good shot you're gonna you're gonna see yeah you're gonna see a guy you know throw a, a weak little wrist shot on from like 70 feet away and you're gonna be like man what are you doing there. And there's this old hockey adage, you know, pucks at the net. It's always a good thing to put the puck on the net. And generally that's kind of true because if you get the puck near the net, there's always deflections, there's skates to hit, there's rebounds. Stuff generally happens positively when you get the puck near the net. But sometimes it's just a waste of a possession. If you just toss mm-hmm. the puck on the net just to do it, to say you got a shot, the goalie's going to paddle save it into the far corner, the defenseman playing that corner is going to take it and push it up ice, and now we got a, you know an odd man rush the other way, and that was actually a terrible idea. That stuff happens, and these are these low danger chances that you know that we're talking about. That oftentimes just, they're not the juice isn't worth the squeeze in that you know in that situation.
0: You know what I love, and we'll get into the final matchup in a moment. But I the way I would describe hockey to anybody who doesn't know is I would say hockey is the perfect marriage of soccer and football, where you have the free flowing form and the goals and the a lot of the similar setups in hockey and soccer like if you watch them you see a lot of similar parallels between the way they attack the net but then it's also paired with the toughness and the grit of football and the hitting and the vi- the vibrance and the what's the what i'm working for when a guy hits the wall the boards it's like the rattling of the impact. boards the yeah yeah, the,
1: yeah exactly so it, it,
0: hockey it to rattles. me pairs the best of soccer the best of football and puts them right together And And for anybody who's a soccer
1: fan who's watching this and maybe wants to get into hockey, you'll notice that that hockey chances that are good good scoring chances come in the same way. It's when a guy, you know, it's typically you're looking for for numerical advantages, right? Two on one, three on two, you want to have the, the man advantage. And it's getting a goalie to cheat to one side because you can't, the goalie can't leave the guy with the puck, right? Then he'll just shoot it by him. So the goalie, whether they know the pass is coming or not, has to stay with the puck. So yes. now it's this this game of trying to get people as far away from the goalie. So the goalie has to cover more ground to make the save. So I'm going to come in on the right side, and the goalie's going to have to stick with me. And I got my teammate, my line mate going on You know, the goalie's right, my left. And there's just this yawning cage here. So now my goal is to try to get him the puck and get him a shooting opportunity faster than the goalie can push off the post and get to that side of the net. And soccer goals are the same. A lot of times, the same way. You know, you're you're just looking for that way to get across the crease or across the net and give your teammate an opportunity to shoot at a at an open net. It's the same deal. Obviously, soccer's got more players. It the physics of it are different, but a lot of scoring chances are generated in the same way.
0: I watched a, a lot of soccer because I work did, running cameras for MLS games. Yeah. And uh, it I hate soccer. I have no I have no I'm not even gonna pretend I like it. It drives me nuts. <laughs> And but there are some redeeming qualities, and hockey just takes the best parts about soccer and makes it watchable and It's like for me, hockey is the a far superior version of a similar sport to soccer, with all without all the nonsense and extra stupid stuff.
1: Yeah, that's I, fair. I mean, that's yeah. fair. You know, i i, I uh, i've I've kind of run the gamut on my soccer opinion. You are never going to find a bigger soccer fan than me come World Cup time. Like I am always like, let's go! <laughs> I try to. I'll get up at like Good five in the morning to I'll watch. I'll use you someday. I, I'm not. I'm not qualified to talk about uh, soccer in, in the least. But I like. I, I'll up. get up at like five, I'll Double get up at learn. 5 a.m. to good. watch Belgium and Netherlands, and I'm like I can't pronounce half these guys' names, and I have no idea who's even good. But there's something about when everybody comes together, it's the world stage. You yeah. want to watch it. There's a, there's a gravitas yeah. to it, right? So I, the same deal. Uh, soccer, you know, I it's got it's got its qualities absolutely. There's some stuff about it that I would change, um, but you know, it's fine.
0: So the Vegas Golden Knights beat the Minnesota Wild in seven games. Uh, sure did. They won it you know, four to three the series. Down to the wire, it was fun. Uh, tell me about the series. What happened? What What are your thoughts?
1: I don't think you should have taken Vegas this long. And this is no disrespect toward Minnesota. They just yeah. they're they're um, you know they they made the play in last season. They lost to the the Vancouver Canucks in the play. so this is a team that's kind of on the brink of being a team that can, you know, really challenge for the postseason year in, year out. And here they are again, um, you know, solidifying their their postseason spot. And they took an experienced, tough, physical, gritty Vegas team to seven games with a worse roster. So you credit them. Um, You know, I know people that have picked Vegas to win the whole thing. And I disagree with that. But there's some merit to that because they're a great team in Minnesota. Took them to seven. So, you know, as it's kind of become a, a running theme that this, you know, you say credit this team because the, the team that's worse on paper shows up and they give the better team a really, really good series. Um, obviously, we're not going to see Minnesota anymore, but uh, but Kirill Kaprazov, he's their, he's their, the Wilds rookie phenom. Um, he is a reason to watch Minnesota Wild games. If you couldn't name another player on the Wild, you couldn't care less about the Wild. This dude... Is something different. He's so fun. He's so flashy. He's so exciting. He's so skilled. I've never seen a guy, or I rarely have seen a guy approach offense the way he does, where like he'll collect the puck near center ice and then he'll throw this weird skating maneuver where he'll like rotate 90 degrees and skate on his outward edges just to do it. And then mm. he comes out of that, that weird maneuver with like way more speed than you think you should and then he just burns to the net and like shoots the puck into a puck-sized hole above the goalie's shoulder and you're like I don't know what I just saw you're just like stunned that's what this kid is
0: remind me of his name what's his name
1: Kirill Kaprizov it's it's kind Kirill of a Kaprizov. kind of a kind of a funny spelling his last name is spelled Z O V. he's 24 so he's an old rookie but this was oh, his wow. his his entering into into the, into the league. he played in the 24. KHL yeah which is the Continental Hockey League it's the Russian NHL it's like the second best league in the world probably wow. that's where he came from got it and and he's he's just this flashy freakishly talented he's only 59 which the game is getting smaller if 59 yeah. 20 years ago you are not an NHL player it doesn't matter how good you are you you mm. just aren't it's being that small. Then he's five nine. fast, right? That's he's the... a bullet. He's he's freakish the way that this dude moves. He was there. He was a fifth round pick for them in twenty fifteen. So a late round pick because there's seven rounds in, in the NHL draft. So he was drafted five years ago, six years ago, in the fifth round, and has just now made his appearance, and it has been worth the wait.
0: And he made it hard for Vegas.
1: He makes it hard for everybody, but yes, he made it hard for Vegas because the way he buzzes around like a gnat, he just, he, <laughs> you, you never get rid of him. He's so yeah. flashy, he's so skilled, he's so fast, he just doesn't ever stop. He's, again, he's worth the price of admission for any wild game. If you find yourself in the, in the Great Lakes area and want to catch some hockey, he is worth it.
0: So, how, so Vegas beat Minnesota barely. How were they expected to be able to beat Colorado now? Or are they?
1: I mean, you know, it's not a great start, seven-one. This is yeah. this is not how you wanna how you wanna start things yeah. off. Um, if, you know, it's I think it's the series to watch right now, even more so than Tampa and Carolina. It's one nothing now, so you've kind of got this added. You know, well, Tampa or Colorado rather, obviously has a bigger advantage than they already had by being, you know, in my opinion, the better team. You did this really devastating game one win, and now they're gonna carry that momentum forward. Um, Vegas is a team that they spent a they a lot of a lot of salary cap chicanery to acquire Alex Petroangelo this last offseason he's an amazing defenseman came from uh, from st Louis he's uh, got a lot of experience he's a great defenseman there so they're gonna have to lean on guys like that who have been there before uh, Max Paeretti Mark Stone these are veteran guys who have played in big games who they're gonna have to lean on to to generate some 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 stuff for them mm. what i say stuff because the answer is hard you can't see, you know if if the if with colorado the it's hard to say what what should i do because it's easy for some teams it's okay you need you know this is where they have a weak point we need to attack that we need to go 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 with colorado it's like you look at you watch tape and you're like what do we do like they're just mm. they're just really good so yeah. what what's our solution here so that's why I say, you know, Mark Stone, Patrick, these guys just need to have that stuff, and we don't really know what that is yet. And I'm not even sure if they know what that is yet, but they're going to have to figure that out here soon because Colorado's not looking back.
0: Hmm. Well, I'm curious, man. Is there anything else as you look around the league? Uh, any other notes you have to share about the NHL playoffs?
1: <sighs> special teams are a big thing, and we haven't talked about that a lot in our time here, special teams being the penalty kill and, and, and that the power is, I learned player.
0: from Nathan. Yeah, it's, okay. Nathan told yep. me that's power play and what's the other penalty
1: penalty kill so it's it, it's kill. when a penalty happens it's either the team killing the penalty or the team trying to score on the man advantage what's um, a penalty kill? I've a, never
0: heard that in my life
1: a pe- so a guy takes a penalty you're hooking tripping yeah. whatever the team is not killing the penalty because it's, it's two, two minutes there's a two minute minor guy's got to leave you know got to take a break because he made a mistake and now this the team that he plays for is now going to have to play a man down five on four or five on mm. three, or four on three, whatever oh, so it's iteration. It's a power gonna...
0: play from the opposite perspective, basically.
1: It's like a, it's like a, yeah, it's like a it's yes. When a power play happens, there's a team on a, on the power play, and there's a team on the penalty kill. They are Got killing it. off the penalty that their teammate took. That's you know usually two minutes yeah. or four sometimes. Um, and so, so so go ahead.
0: Well, it, it means the same thing. It's just different perspectives. Exactly. I would exactly. have never. That's cool. I, I, again, I learned so much. It's referred this to. It's the. It, you
1: might hear it. You might hear it as referred to as the PK, the penalty kill. Okay. Yeah. Um, we don't usually call power plays PPS because we're all thirteen. And we, you know, can't go <laughs> saying that on NBC. <laughs> the P... Um, yeah, you're yeah, right. You're right. <laughs> so, so, so it's we usually don't abbreviate uh, or initialize power play. We do penalty kills the PK. Um, mm.
0: Anyway, teams, you brought up special teams. Yes,
1: the teams that the teams that do well on both ends of that shocker are the teams that that win games, and it's because in the playoffs, especially in the later rounds, teams are so evenly matched. They've they've hit their strides. They know what they need to be doing any small edge in a game again like I said in the first episode a bunch where only there's only you know five or six seven maybe different scoring events on average in a game every little edge that might be able to take a goal off the board or get you a goal you might not have had prior is going to be a huge deal so the teams that can get goals on you know on the power play when they're given an opportunity are going to are going to really really thrive and the teams that can take those off the board are going to thrive and the teams that can do both are the ones that usually hoist it at the end and
2: mm-hmm. right now
1: um, and right now that's Colorado Their penalty kill is decent. Their power play is spectacular. They're looking good right now on that front. Montreal's penalty kill, very good. Their power play, not great. So Mm. in terms of a team that can kind of do both, Colorado's fifth in in the penalty kill, and they're first by a huge margin in power play. That's my favorite special teams group right now, which shouldn't come as much of a surprise considering how good they are. But yeah. I think that's going to continue to be something that that helps them out. Vegas on the Vegas is, and I think this is a big a big thing as to why they went seven. Vegas's power play was absolutely horrendous against Minnesota. They had 17 power play opportunities. They cashed in on two of them. That's about 12%. Whoa, that's, that's, that's low. Terrible. Uh, for reference, Colorado had 17 opportunities, just like uh, Vegas did. They scored on eight of them. That's six goals right there. Difference that you have earned. Yeah. Uh, and, and 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 their their penalty kill Vegas is, it's not great. It's one of the it's one of the the worst amongst teams still in it right now. Vegas mm-hmm. has to fix that. It might not rear its ugly head in this series, um,
0: but well, it might because they, they might lose. I mean, you know, like it... I
1: guess yeah. I mean, I guess that's true with Colorado because it's so good. It it might. But if if they do manage to get past Colorado, which again I don't see happening, that that's going to have to figure itself out. They, they, this is not a team that can win playing as poorly on the special teams there right now, and again, Colorado and I, I, I use Colorado, it wasn't because they're in the same series, it just happened to be how the stats worked out that Colorado's looking really good and Vegas is looking yeah. really bad um, it's again, it's how it worked out, but these are teams that um, you look for on special teams Colorado needs to keep what they're doing up, Vegas needs to make some serious improvements, and then there's teams like Boston um, whose penalty kill actually hasn't been great um, their power play has been exceptional, though they're they're eight of 23, which is which is quite good. It's 35%. Mm. Um, it's it's a big deal. Special teams matter because yeah. you don't get a lot of them, um, you don't score a lot of goals, so uh, it's it's a high leverage moment, and that's not that's not an official stat. That's kind of just a way to describe it. There's a lot of there's a lot of leverage that goes into power play opportunities for both teams. They're usually you know the biggest points of the game, or can be the biggest points of the game, or they can yeah. turn momentum in a serious way. So. Um, you know, Look if you're watching Jets. games or...
0: Yeah. The, the Jets scored their first goal in that big three-goal comeback on a power play.
1: It can completely change things. It can completely turn the tide because because three goals seems like this insurmountable amount, but two goals, that ain't that much. You know, if if you're looking mm. for, you know, if, if you got a whole period to play, or, and they didn't, right? But if you got a whole period to play, you only need to make up two goals. You can do that. It's not, you know, crazy common, but it's not out of this world. Three to two is such a different thing. And then two to one, hey, you're a bounce away. This, all of this players think about this this is a real mental thing that happens where you look at the scoreboard and it's five two it's a whole lot different than five three and that's a whole lot different than five four and it's like that you got the juice and you're back up your plan and you come back that's how this happens
0: austin uh that was phenomenal uh plug your podcast what's your podcast called
1: uncaged mma is our podcast i run it with my uh my partner john um we are working now we actually just finished up a couple of interviews we uh we spoke with uh with danny castillo and uh, he was our, kind of our our primary interview we also spoke with eric Koch. he's a, a ufc fighter as well both of these guys what they have in common is they fought the current 155 pound ufc champion diamond dustin poi we are recording producing editing creating a really awesome documentary on him he comes from an awesome background he's done a lot for charities in his local louisiana neighborhoods uh, an awesome champion a great guy we wanted to properly immortalize him in a video format so we spoke with some guys that he's fought before to talk about him. So, uh, that's coming very, very soon on top of some more traditional podcast format, talking MMA news, um, all things combat sports.
0: Absolutely. My man. Uh, Hey, that's awesome. I love you, brother. I am. So I need people to understand it is twelve twenty one AM. It's after midnight, 21 minutes after midnight. This dude's like, let's talk hockey. I, I love it. I can't thank you enough. Um, and, uh, Man, I just want to say thank you so much for your time. It's been such a blast for me. I, I learn a lot every time I talk to you, and it makes me so happy.
1: Appreciate being here, Zach. Thank you for the time, and thank you for the plug and, uh, and all, the, all the attention for, uh, for our great sport.
0: All right, brother. Man, I love talking to Austin. Uh, I think people don't realize I've known him for 15 years. And so I want to now use that and shift gears to my conversation with Nathan Shield. I, I got to be honest. I put out my you know NHL playoff extravaganza with Nathan Shield in it, and he got a lot of hate, and I thought that was very unfair because people don't realize that I've never done a podcast with Nathan Shield before. I've only talked to him twice, uh, you know, this, this episode, including you know, over any kind of live communication. We DM, we've emailed. Uh, but, of course, when you compare my conversational comfortability between Nathan Shield and Austin, one guy who I've known since I was 10 years old, another guy who it's my second conversation ever with, of course, that's not a fair comparison. And I just think, man, I, if you have problems, come to me. Don't bother Nathan Shield. That's not fair. I think he's valuable on the show because every time I talk to him, I learn something. I go, wow, I didn't know that. I learned Doom details and nerdy hockey stuff. And I, I I, love having him on the show. I think any criticism is honestly unfair or doesn't really understand the situation. And, um, man, without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Nathan Shield, the guy. Nathan, I got your back. I love you, buddy. And uh, I, uh, please enjoy my conversation with him now. Joining me now is, uh, I got really excited to talk to you. Nathan Shield, how are you? I'm great, man. How are you? I am good. Uh, I think well, we haven't talked normally they get in the green room. We talk a little bit, we get going. I, I like literally, an- we answer the call and I'm wearing like sunglasses to see my computer. I couldn't find my glasses. I got a sunburn on my face. I climbed a mountain yesterday. I'm dealing with family stuff. I'm moving. Oh my God. Is it good to talk to a friend? Um, I think I want to start today uh, by asking... So we're talking about the NHL playoffs today. And uh, I, I want to say, first of all, thanks for the time. I'm excited to see you. Uh, and I, I'm curious if... Uh, what playoff series from round one surprised you the most? Yeah,
3: um, this is actually pretty exciting series. I'm excited to talk about this one because there's a lot of drama. A lot, a lot to say, really. A lot of questions to be asked. So I'd have to say uh, Toronto... Uh, game seven was last night. Toronto actually blew a three to one lead, so it was it's pretty crazy. The hockey world's kind of going crazy for this
0: one. It's like for me, I would have thought that Edmonton, uh, the Oilers losing to the Jets in four games. You know, Connor McDavid against this amazing goalie. For me, that was one. I was like, I can't believe not only that the Jets won. I mean, whatever, but that they beat them four games to nothing. I thought I was honestly thinking you were going to say that. I know you texted me. I tried not to. So why why this game? Game 7. Why Toronto? Why that series instead of this other one?
3: Yeah, yeah. They're both pretty insane. I mean, the North this year. I, I think I touched on it uh, last episode. It's kind of been crazy all year. People haven't been sure what's going to happen. So I, I'm, I'd i love to talk about that one after, that series after. But I think Toronto was really crazy just because the expectations were so high. You know, they won the North division pretty handily. You no, know, they had a lot of players look really good. Austin Matthews, their star player, led the league in goals. He's going to win the Rocket Richard for scoring the most goals in the NHL. And it, it just looked like it was their year, you know. They haven't won a Stanley Cup in almost 50 years now. Or over 50 years, excuse me, almost 60 years now. So it's been a long time. I haven't won a series in more than 15 years, so... Toronto's been waiting, and it seemed like it was their time. They were up 3-1, to one and then they just fell apart, so
0: crazy stuff. So Toronto, the Maple Leafs, all their fans, they're so happy, they're so excited, have a 3-1 to one lead, and then they blow it. I mean, that reminds me of the NBA Finals when, uh, the, uh, I guess, Cleveland beat the Golden State Warriors, LeBron beat Steph Curry, came back 3-1. to one. It's a very similar situation where this fan base waiting and hoping, and this team it thinks they have it, and it's stolen from them. That, I, that's amazing, man. I mean, so why, why do you think this happened? Why did they fall apart after a three to one lead in their series? I mean, that, that's kind of the, the the
3: question right now. I mean, what went wrong? Um, I think a big blame has to fall. You know, I hate I hate to call out a player like this, but it has to fall on the the first the first line, like the top three guys for for Toronto is Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander. They're three young guys, all have been in Toronto for a little bit, but they're really kind of coming into their prime now, you know. Matthews like I said, he led the league in scoring. And then in the playoffs, he just couldn't really get it done. He put up 5 points in the 7 games. You get a point for a goal and an assist. So he put up 41 goals in 52 regular yeah. season games. So he's scoring pretty consistently in the regular season and then in the playoffs, he only scored 1 goal. So that was that was pretty shocking. Yeah. Wow. That's all- Wow. He just uh, he just didn't do anything. He just felt it didn't
0: show up, sounds like.
3: Yeah, he didn't show up. And then Mitch Marner, who, who plays along with Austin Matthews on their first line, they play together. So they kind of work together. They put up a lot of points together. Uh, it's kind of a dynamic duo. And he, he really struggled in the playoffs, too. He put up 67 points in the regular season. Like I said, a goal or assists in a point. So that that's a pretty good number. I mean, that's more than a point per game.
0: And then in the playoffs, he only put up four points in seven games. Oh, wow. So they just they had a bad series, sounds like, all around. Yep. Wow. Well, that player, so I want to I clarify something, because when you say a player didn't show up, there's an emotional response. People get, like, very angry. And I, what I mean by that is he just didn't do what was expected of him. I mean, you know, the expectations are high. You thought he was going to do well. And it's not like he didn't show up to play, but it, the performance didn't follow. You know what I mean? It's like I, I think it's, it's, it's a harsh way to put it didn't show up. But, man, when your best player leads the league in score in goals, does you're like, ah, uh, what? How did that happen?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I, I know people get defensive about this stuff. I, I personally get defensive about this stuff as well. I, I don't want to take anything away from them personally. You know, don't attack them or anything like that. But you set a standard. You're paid to play a certain way. And when you don't live up to that standard, it's kind of on you when you're kind of the heart and soul of the team.
0: How do you think uh, Maple Leafs fans feel? Do they feel defensive of their guy or are they frustrated with their guy? Like, we're paying you. You're a best player. You you know, you got to, we expect you to carry us through. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of difficult
3: to say because, you know, there's always going to be a few fans that are like, you know what, screw this guy. We're paying you all this money. We need you to score and then you don't show up and they're going to get maybe a little toxic, maybe go after the guy personally, stuff like that. Um, Obviously, don't do that. That's a horrible thing to do. But um, I think for the most part, I mean, all around, it seems like people are just kind of disappointed, just in the performances of the players, the GM a little bit as well, because he made a few moves that didn't really work out, and they kind of cost them a lot. Um, I could get into that if you want.
0: Yeah. What moves did the did What moves did the Maple Leafs make to try to make a run that just didn't work out?
3: Yeah. So uh, the biggest move they made was they brought in Nick Foligno at the the trade deadline. He was the captain in. Columbus, you know, veteran guy. He's won in the playoffs before. Um, he's a, he's a good player too. So he, they're expecting a lot out of him. They gave up a lot. They gave up a, a first round pick and two fourth round picks. And he's a he's an unrestricted free agent. So it's a pure rental. He can go wherever he wants in the off season. So they they really gave up all these picks for the playoffs. They they knew this is our year. We got to make a run. We're we're spending big on this guy, and he put up. One
0: point in seven games, so one assist in seven games. That's brutal, man. I mean, that's y- you're 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 making a move to make a run, and it didn't work out. And that's got to sting. That's got to hurt, um, ah, man. Th- th- I don't know. That's you more. You, you bet your future, and it didn't even get rewarded for it. And Nick
3: Foligno is not going to sign back in Toronto. They don't have the money to keep him, so oh. they're going to have him for like twenty games, and then now he's he's going to leave Toronto. So. It's a lot it's a lot for
0: what they got. That's a devastating loss, man. I mean, that's brutal. Yeah. Did they make any other moves down the stretch other than uh that player? No, but they had a, a few guys that came
3: in um at the beginning of the season that didn't really perform as well as uh people may have thought. Uh Joe Thornton in the playoffs was, was particularly poor, I thought. He's an older guy, veteran. He's a Hall of Famer for sure, but he just wasn't that great in the playoffs, only one point. And they they kinda just It seems like a lot of the guys that kind of needed to show up didn't really do it. Wayne Simmons was a new addition as well. He kind of brings a grit to the team that he didn't really bring in the playoffs. um, Wasn't too physical, only put up a point. So he was kind of uh, disappointing as well. And then they brought in some defensemen that were pretty poor in the playoffs as well. So all around, I mean, it's a lot of disappointment. There's going to be a lot of questions that uh, Toronto's general manager, Kyle Dubas, in the coming weeks.
0: Well, there was probably a sense in Toronto like this is the year we finally have. We're putting it together. We're going to make a run, and then you get a three-one lead, and you're like, "Yeah, like it's going to plan. It's working." In the sense of hope and optimism, and it all came tumbling down. Man, that's what did Montreal do to come back and win? You know, three games and to, you know, win the series. I think the biggest thing that Montreal did was uh, their coach.
3: Uh, Dominic Ducharme really found a way to limit that first line so he had uh, he had a few guys that he was putting out there pretty consistently against Matthews and Marner that were just shutting them down Uh, Philip Deneau the center was matched up against Matthews pretty much all season and he kind of struggled in the regular season but in the playoffs I'm not sure if they studied film or what but he was locked down he he really just like limited Matthew he wasn't shooting as much um, that Matthews is rather um, and he was just like this they just shut them down offensively and and really took away their swagger. so that was pretty crazy. and then, like I mentioned uh, last episode, um, Montreal's defense is is pretty solid, and their goaltender is arguably one of the best uh, Canadian goalies of all time. so he was he was solid, but I thought they could have I thought Toronto didn't test him enough uh, in the last few games as well.
0: So do you think the narrative is that Toronto blew it rather than Montreal took it from them? Yes. I I think um, Toronto is kind
3: of known to collapse. Um, A few years ago, I can't remember when exactly. I think it was 20, maybe 2012 or 2014, somewhere around there. They, they blew a three to one lead against uh, Boston or four to one lead, excuse me, in game seven. So they were up four to one. They let them come back and lost in overtime and, it's kind of a theme Toronto kind of blows it and it's kind of a narrative at this point I mean I was hoping they were kind of they were going to win this first round series you know they haven't won since 2004 in the first round I was hoping they were kind of get away from that narrative but I mean it just keeps coming back Toronto just can't seem to get it done in the postseason it's kind of tough to see because they're an exciting team I wanted
0: to see them go far let's talk about what happened with the Edmonton Oilers because I would have thought, at, at minimum, I thought he'd be competitive. You got this great goalie, Connor McDavid, this great scorer. And I'm like, you know, they're both named Connor, actually. Connor, I forget, uh, what's his name? Tun, what's Hellebuck. It? Hellebuck. I love that name. Connor Hellebuck. Connor Hellebuck, Connor McDavid, the goalie versus the scorer. And I'm like, this is kind of the matchup of ages. Like, you're like so excited to watch these two guys go head to head. And Hellebuck, the goalie, dominated the matchup. You're like, wow, they won four games to nothing. There's one game where the Oilers didn't score at all. They won it one to nothing in overtime. That's unbelievable. And credit to the other goalie on the other side too. I and mean, that's and anytime you have you have the whole game nobody scores, it's a big deal. Uh, you know the only score was to win in overtime. But it's like I I cannot fathom that Edmonton didn't even win one game. And then there's that that series where in game three, Edmonton ha- Edmonton had the lead eight minutes left, up three goals, and they they gave the game right back to the Winnipeg Jets. The Jets score three goals in like three minutes. They go to overtime and win the game. And it's like. What a collapse. You couldn't even win one game. So do you share that same sense of, holy crap, how did that happen with Edmonton Oilers? Yeah, yeah, I think you can go back to the last
3: episode, too. I mean, I was was definitely critical of the Jets. I thought they really struggled down the stretch. I thought, I mean, if they win this series, it might be in seven, but it's going to be a stretch. They've really struggled. Edmonton has had their number all season. It's going to take a lot to beat them. But, I mean, credit to Paul Maurice, the uh, Jets coach. He developed a scheme that that really worked. They got some players to come back and start playing like the way they had uh, in the regular season at just the right time, and uh, it just really worked. It seems like they kind of wanted it maybe more than Edmonton. I'm not sure what it was, but Edmonton, I mean, that's kind of what happens when you build a team to just outscore their opponent. Um, You know, they have the first line in Edmonton of McDavid, Dreisaitl, those two together are, are dynamic. I, I mentioned that last time. They're phenomenal together, but when those are your two guys, I mean, you you really are relying on them to win you games. And when you go up against a goaltender who who seems to know what they're doing, I mean, they really they really just didn't uh, didn't get it done. I mean, Edmonton gets no depth scoring. I think I mentioned that in the uh, yeah. So so in hockey, there's there's four lines. So Your first two lines are going to be particularly good at scoring normally. Those are going to be your more skilled players, higher paid. Those are the guys that are really expected to score. Third line and fourth line are more expected to kind of keep the game even, you know, not give up a goal. Maybe, yeah, pretty much survive, but get a goal or two here and there. I mean, you're not supposed to score consistently, but you really need that depth scoring to win. You need your fourth line to score a goal here or there, especially in crunch time in the playoffs. So Edmonton really gets gets no depth scoring. I got in my notes here. I, I wrote down the point totals. It's it's pretty remarkable. I mean, Edmonton's fourth line had one player put up two points, and that was it. He had two assists, so that was it. Points. The other two players on that line zero points. They were minuses. So and uh, in, in hockey, in five on five, if you score, you get a point. You get scored on, you get a minus. So they were. That line altogether was a minus minus six, those three players combined. So minus minus two for the line, but minus six for the players combined. The third line put up a combined three points. So that's a a goal, two goals and an assist. So, I mean, the Jets, like if you look at the point totals for the Jets, I mean, they're putting up significantly more that third and fourth line. And it's just pretty remarkable how how poorly Edmonton's – they fourth line played, and when
0: those first two lines aren't scoring, you really need those guys to step up. Well, hockey's a lot like basketball where it's because the same amount of players on the court, a lot of stuff like that, and when your backups are in, you're just hoping they can hold things together so your starters can get rest and come back in the game. And it sounds like not only were they not holding things together long enough for you know Connor McDavid and the starting lineup to get rest, they were giving away points. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're,
3: they really couldn't do anything. It was pretty clear that just from watching that their mindset was more, we got to survive this instead of let's get on the offense. Let's generate, let's get some momentum for our team. It, it was pretty clear that they were playing maybe scared. Maybe I, I'm not sure what it was. I mean, maybe when you're down, the, the pressure's on a little bit more, but I haven't really seen a, a team play like that. It was It was pretty shocking to be honest, because it was just, like I said, it was just incredibly clear that they were just saying, you know, let's, let's play defensively let's get it let's dump it in there and let's get off the ice let's let's just play it safe so it was it was pretty crazy especially when you're losing in a series you really need to generate get that momentum so
0: well I, I don't know if there's a stat or a number like in football you have time of possession so i don't know if there's a time of possession thing like that in hockey but i know watching that series i watched the most almost every game i didn't watch the uh, i skipped the entire 0 to 0 game cuz i was just bored and i was like this i'm like i'm like ah like i can't do it man i watched like overtime and was happy with that because uh, I, I record everything, but my point is that watching the three games I watched in that series, it felt like the Jets had the puck the, almost all the time. I, I felt like it possession, after possession, after possession. Like man, like Edmonton just can't even get anything going, let alone get a goal. Is that is that how it felt to you?
3: Yeah, I I would agree with that. I think um, the Jets have one of the best center cores in the league. So the center is going to be the guy that takes the the face off. So it's pretty important to have good centers because. Whenever there's a whistle, if you have a good center, you're going to get immediate possession. You can go back on offense, stuff like that.
0: Well, they, they won that game in overtime. You know, the game three, they had the three, you know, big comeback. They went in overtime. They scored in overtime off a faceoff. So that that's the difference in winning the series almost. It sounds like, I mean, that things like that, just they add up very slowly. I got a bad bench, got a better center, got a better goal. I mean, that, over time, the little things add up, and that's how you get the Jets surprising people winning four games to nothing.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was... Another big narrative in this game that I, I forgot to mention up to this point, but it was it was the special teams was pretty big uh, for the Jets as well. So you take, yeah. So if you take a penalty in hockey, you sit in the penalty box. It's kind of unlike other sports in that that sense. So you'll play five on four if the other team takes a penalty. On so power play time, is special a penalty, teams. Yes. So Got power it. play and penalty kill is is going to be special teams. So for. Edmonton in the regular season, they had the best power play in the league. So five on four, they're scoring 27% of the time, which is far and away the best in the NHL. The average is probably around 18 or 19%. So 27% is pretty remarkable. So that was their regular season. In the postseason, they dropped to 18.2%, which is still solid, but that's a pretty significant drop from where they were. And the Jets the Jets were good on the uh, power play they scored I believe it was 21 percent of the time in the postseason so they really took it, took advantage of those opportunities where Edmonton really didn't and I think that was a big difference maker as
0: well yeah I mean i I'll just remember that hit when I can't I can't get game three out of my head game three they're up three points eight minutes left you know the Edmonton Oilers are and one of the players in Edmonton took, took a cheap shot against the Jets, just like an unnecessary dumb hit that gave the Jets a power play. The Jets get a power play, eight minutes left, they score, gave them momentum that led to them winning the game. It's like I, I remember watching a hit, going like, "That's so, like, why do that? You're up three, you have the game in the bag if you just don't screw it up." It's like, man, they just gave as that. I mean, just gave it away. It's like, oh my goodness, Edmonton.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was pretty remarkable. I mean, I I mentioned before that it was going to take a a special performance from Winnipeg to beat them, but the Edmonton team that I thought we were going to see did not seem to be here in the postseason. I mean, the Jets had their players played well. I mean, everyone you would expect on the Jets to put up points did, but no one was really out of their mind. You know, it wasn't like anyone on the Jets really offensively stole the game. I mean, Connor Hellebuck was phenomenal. He had a nine five save percentage, which is like ridiculously good. And a really good save percentage in the NHL. If you don't know is a nine two is like really good.
0: So a nine five is unbelievable. Well, I think in game two, he stopped 38 shots with no goals. Like, and that's a low amount of shots, but that's still like an overtime game. Nothing. I mean, just nothing the whole game. It, It blows my mind. Um, now, I want to say too, it's it's interesting. Like you, I don't I don't remember exactly what you said in your prediction when you predicted this series, but it was pretty clear. Like we thought it was going to be competitive at minimum, and that's the the general consensus was this is going to be a competitive close game series. It might go, it might be three to three at one point, go to game seven, and even like other people, you know, they were calling Hel- Connor Connor about the MVP. And if you have the MVP, of the league on your team, you're expected to, at minimum compete. To get swept for nothing is just a a wild, wild surprise to me. I'm like I, I think that everybody didn't see that coming. Happened. I mean,
3: I I feel kind of bad because on the uh, last episode I was kind of promising a great series here. I mean, I said you know Oilers are are awesome. They're they're fun to watch. They're super offensive, and uh, that just didn't seem to be the case. You might have thought I was talking about the Jets when I was saying that. So it was it was pretty remarkable. Um, it's gonna be really exciting to see what happens in the North with uh, Edmonton edmonton and toronto excuse me because you know in the north the the pressure is is way crazier uh at the beginning of the season there were two coaches in the north that both got fired within 25 games so the pressure to win is is especially high in the north in canada so it's going to be a crazy off season for both of these teams as they look to gear back up and
0: keep competing while their window is still open yeah there's so much passion in canada And also, too, I got to say, that's why sports are awesome, is that sometimes things, you think you have everything figured out, if we all know, like, oh, obvious outcome coming, and it just completely takes a left turn, and we just can't even, that's why I love sports so much, is that it's not when you, I actually hate when I know the, like, for example, in Formula One for a long time, Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes have dominated Formula One, and it's boring, because you know who's going to win every single time, and then occasionally you get a guy who comes and challenges them, and you're like... It's fun because you don't you don't know what to expect, and when you don't know the outcome, it's so exciting. Um, I, I'm curious now. I want I want to shift to this. You know, what was your favorite series to watch in round one of the NHL playoffs? Oh man, um,
3: this is a tough question. Uh, they were all pretty fun. They were they were all. You pretty can say fun. a couple. Yeah.
0: Oh, the NHL playoffs are phenomenal, dude. Like the, every matchup feels like it's even the ones that are blowouts are still got interesting storylines. It's so full of fun. Uh, you can say a couple too, if you want, like what, what was exciting? Like you watch at home and you're like, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Just spew some love for me. All right. Yeah. I mean, probably my favorite series to watch. Um, it wasn't
3: too competitive, um, but it would have to be the, the Colorado Avalanche versus St. Louis. Um, yeah, I mean the Avalanche, I I mentioned it in the last episode, they're phenomenal to watch. They're so fast. They're so offensively gifted. And they're they're just like incredible this year. I mean, if they don't win the Stanley Cup, I'll be pretty surprised. Um, I'm going out on a limb a little bit. I mean, not really. Uh, they're kind of the favorite, but if I if they lose, I might look like a fool. But they're so 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 good right now. They're putting up a ton of points. Uh, they swept uh, St. Louis, and then they just dominated the first game of the second series event, first game of the second round against
0: Vegas. And they they're just phenomenal. Well, they Colorado. Colorado outscored uh, St. Louis 20-7 to in four games. Like, wow. Oh, my goodness. And I, it sounds like to me well, why you liked it is it's good hockey. Like, you're like, for example, when you watch the Kansas City Chiefs in the NFL, you watch Patrick Mahomes. It's just good football. You're like, wow. It's entertaining. It's organized. It's comp- you know, competent. It's really entertaining. Is that what you like? It's you just love hockey. It's like it's good, fundamental, fun hockey.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice to see a team kind of playing up to their potential, too. You know, there's there's sometimes you see a team where it's like, wow, these guys could be really special if they can just piece it together. If the coach knows what to do, if they hit all these notes, they're going to be phenomenal. And it seems like the ABS are really doing it this year. Um, they're maxing out. Play, yep, their star players are playing phenomenal. Their goalie's playing well. Um, everything's going right for them right now. They're undefeated in their first five, so... They've already won the first game of the second series and they're just phenomenal. They're they're so fun to watch. And,
0: uh, yeah, it's just great stuff. I second that man. I, there's a storyline in the NFL right now. There's a, a quarterback move teams and got his, with his old coach. And I'm like, man, if this, they max this out, it's a phenomenal situation. So anytime you get to see a team that reaches their full potential, which is very rare in the world of sports, it's very rare to see a team that actually reaches the potential. They have Colorado's doing that. Um, I mean, you got anything else for me? Is there anything else you look around NHL? You're like, that was awesome.
3: Yeah, I, I think the, the first round series with uh, Florida was pretty fun, too. It was the Panthers versus the Lightning. So it was the first time they've really had that series where it's the Battle of Florida. Um, I thought that was really exciting. It's kind of a nice rivalry brewing, too, in Florida. Oh, that's never happened before? No, that, that's never happened. They They've never wow. really been good at the same time. So that was fun to see. Uh, only went six games. I was hoping the Panthers would push it to seven because that would have been really fun, but it was a good series. Uh, a lot of promise in Florida. They got a young team. They're going to be pretty good. Tampa's still really good. They won it last year, so that was a good series, but uh, I couldn't really just go down the list. I mean, aside from uh, Colorado sweeping and the Jets sweeping, every series went at least six games, so it's really competitive this year. I mean, it's been a really fun playoffs thus far.
0: Yeah, the Islanders one in six. They beat uh, Pittsburgh. It was like I kind of felt I was like, ah, Pittsburgh man. But Islanders fans are upset or are really happy. Uh, the Bruins beat the Capitals in five, and that was I think more competitive than a five game series would look from the outside. You know, Boston won five to one. Can you talk about how I guess maybe why that seemed more competitive? Because I I think we talked about this before. You know, even though Boston dominated if you look from the outside, and if you're watching the games, I watch those games. I mean the capitals it was back and forth and fun and intense and it was unfortunate it just looks bad from the outside looking in uh at, at the capitals
3: I think this was a pretty evenly ranked uh matchup you saw a lot of the games went to ot I think uh four of the five so it was uh it was pretty evenly ranked uh Washington is a good team, but they need to retool right now if they want to really make a push goaltending was kind of a tricky situation too um they're So their starter was out at the beginning of the series. And then their backup actually got hurt in game one. So they had the third goalie in for the first game. And then, or the first two games, excuse me. And then they had their original starter who hadn't played in a while. So there was a a lot of mess kind of in in Washington's net. That didn't really help them. Um, And they're, they're, like I said, they're a good offensive team. They have Ovechkin, who's one of the best scorers of all time. He's a Hall of Famer for sure. They got good defensemen. I mean, they're, they're... they're a solid team. They could have made a run if they beat Boston. I think. I think them versus the Islanders would have been a good series. But Boston's really good too. I mean, they've got they've got a lot of speed. They're really good on special teams. Good goaltending. Good defensemen. I mean, they're a solid team. I'm curious to see what happens between uh, them and the Islanders because they're pretty evenly matched as well.
0: If you're Washington, how do you feel moving forward? Are you encouraged or like? Because I mean, you're competitive in the playoffs. Like you're you're close. It feels like correct.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they won it a few years ago. They're not too far away from that team that won it. It's definitely not a rebuild. It's it's maybe a retool, maybe sign a few guys, maybe make some moves, and I think they're they're right back in it. Um, they they kind of got a tough draw with Boston because Boston is really good in the playoffs traditionally. Uh, as this is kind of a theme with Boston sports, uh, whether you like it or not, they just always seem to show up in the postseason. So uh, that was no no exception this year. But I think Washington isn't too far. I don't think they should worry too much, make any like big moves, but they definitely got to make some moves if they want to get back in the Stanley Cup hunt.
0: Yeah, from talking to you, it sounds like Toronto's the team that's not in any – Toronto's the team that got knocked out that has, has the most where they're like, oh, my gosh, we are in a – just a minefield. It's like a, an atomic bomb went off, and they got to figure out now how to put things back together because they're just like – we lost the player we traded for. We made all these moves. It, now we got to rebuild and figure everything out because we were in a good spot. Now we're not. I, is that true? Like Toronto's the team that is probably the most panicked right now after getting knocked out.
3: Yeah, and I think part of that just goes with being in kind of the heart of the NHL. I mean, Toronto is the biggest market, obviously. Um, the fans are super loyal. They haven't won in a while. They got a young GM and Kyle Dubas. Um, it's just like... They, they maybe shouldn't panic as much as they're probably going to. But, I mean, in Toronto, the, the pressure is always on. So, they're definitely going to have to make some moves. Um, they're paying those three players that I mentioned, William Nealander, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner. They're all making at least ten, Some of them almost $11 million. So, one of them is probably going to get moved. It's probably going to be Mitch Marner. So, I'm really curious to see what happens with that because I don't know if you win a trade for him. Like, if you're Toronto, I don't know if you win that trade. I'm not sure what you get back, really, because he's a young player with a lot of potential. I think he's going to be really good one day. It's just he he's struggled in the playoffs thus far, so I think they're going to move him. Um. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're not too far. Like, they almost won this series, and I think if they won this series, they could have beaten Winnipeg because they've had their number all year. So it's it's going to be interesting because... In in some sense they're really close, but in other senses they're they're kind of I don't know like it's hard uh, how do I wear this like it, on paper they're really close, but in the actual postseason they just can't get it done. So I'm not really sure what you can do. They need to shake it up, and it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Yeah. Do you expect people to get fired? Um, I'm not sure. Kyle Dubis I think is really smart, but he clearly messed it up this year. I mean, I think trading for Nick Felino was a big mistake. It cost him a ton. I don't think they'll fire him, but his leash is getting shorter and shorter. So if they miss the postseason next year, I think he might be on the hot seat.
0: Is you know the Toronto Canadian market? So you Toronto as a as a sports market, a city you're working in for a fan base. Would you compare them to? Like the New York Yankees, who their baseball fans are huge, or the Philadelphia Eagles, who it's just ravenous, passionate fan base that cares maybe more than a lot of other ones. Or the Cowboys in the NFL, like there are certain fan bases that just care more. Alabama football cares way more than Washington State, where I went to college. Like they just the fan base cares way more. Therefore, the pressure is way higher. Is that is that accurate?
3: Yeah, I mean Toronto is definitely a pressure cooker for the players. I mean it's it's not an easy place to play people are super passionate and they get, they will turn on the team pretty quickly too. I mean, you see that a lot in Toronto traditionally where the team's playing poorly, you know, the city kind of quits on them. So it's, it's kind of tricky. You know, they, they still care, but it's kind of like, man, the Leafs just keep letting me down, you know, screw these guys. I mean, they're still going to be a fan, but you know, it's like, man, I hate the Leafs, but I love them at the same time. It's kind of like that. So it's, uh, it's not an easy place to play. It's definitely not an easy place to be a GM. So it's going to be really interesting because Leafs fans are already upset. So when they keep watching the uh, the playoffs go on, I'm sure they'll get more and more upset because, you know, that should have been us.
0: Yeah, what comes to mind, I was watching the Yankees the other day got swept by the Detroit Tigers who are a terrible baseball team. And Yankees fans are like, it's okay to call out our team. Like, that's our job. We need to keep them accountable. I just hear so many similarities there between New York and Montreal. I mean, they're actually pretty close geographically, too. I'm curious, man. First of all, great job. That was a lot of great stuff. Is there? Any, I know you got notes in front of you. Is there anything else you you're like are you, you took notes on? You're like, I want to mention this before we go.
3: Yeah, actually, I do. Um, real quick, I just wanted to give – once again, I I've kind of did this a lot, but I want to give a lot of credit to the uh, Canadiens. There's a few players that I wanted to mention that I didn't. Um, their GM has done a phenomenal job. They fired their coach as well, so – to charm their new coach, he was an assistant before they had fired their original head coach. He has done a lot of good stuff. He's he was under a lot of pressure, obviously. Um, Montreal is probably the second biggest market in the NHL. A lot of pressure to win there as well. So he's done a lot of really good stuff. Uh, he brought in Corey Perry in the post or in the uh, off season. Excuse me. He put up four points in seven games, and he's on a minimum deal. So that was that was pretty impressive. He plays on the power play and everything and he's been a really key piece for them for pretty much nothing. I mean any team, in the NHL would have paid the seven hundred thousand uh, dollars if they knew he was gonna play this well. So that was that looks really smart. They traded for Eric Stahl who's been phenomenal in the postseason. He put up four points as well. He plays with Corey Perry as well. So that was another really smart move. Um, and then Joel Armia, I think, really stood out. All three of those guys play together. They all put up four points respectively, so together 12 points on one line. And they're considered like the fourth line for Montreal, so that's pretty remarkable. So, uh, yeah, I mean, give a lot of credit to Montreal and uh, Ducharme for putting together a great team. I mean, they deserve this win, so congrats to them, and I'm excited to see how they compete against the Jets because they're both pretty good teams that, probably weren't expecting to be here so it's going to be exciting.
0: So we did we talked about round 1, let's shift now to round 2 of the NHL playoffs. Is there one series or one matchup you go that's two teams I can't wait to watch see each play each other and how it plays out? Yeah, I think it's kind of been the the
3: playoff series everyone's kind of been waiting for is is the matchup in the West right now. Colorado versus Vegas. They played each other in the regular season a lot as it was only uh they only played in the divisions this year with COVID, so They've seen each other a lot. They're two pretty evenly ranked teams. They're both really good. Both Stanley Cup favorites, so this one's going to be really exciting. Um, A lot of star power, a lot of speed on both teams, and uh, it's going to be really fun to watch this one.
0: Well, I think the question, too, is can anyone challenge Colorado? I mean, the Avalanche have dominated this year, except it seems like this one team. Is that correct?
3: Yeah, yeah. So they've been pretty evenly matched in the regular season. You know, They've both won a few games against each other. But Vegas kind of is in a, a win now mode. They've got a lot of older players. We've got an older goaltender who has gotten better this year against all laws. He's 36 years old, playing the best NHL of his career. That's three time Stanley Cup champion, Marc Andre Fleury. So he's a game breaker in that um, if anyone can stop Colorado, it's him. And they've got a lot of star power up front, a lot of offensive uh, talent, a lot of defensive talent as well. So this is going to be a pretty evenly matched one. And could decide who wins the Stanley Cup.
0: Well, as we know how predictions work, it could be evenly matched or maybe, uh, you know, maybe the other team, maybe a non-color, maybe Colorado loses in four games. Like, who knows? But it sounds like it'll be fun to watch. It's like, can they challenge Colorado, this dominant team, this force in the NHL? And if they do, what's that look like? I mean, I'll be watching. I know you'll be watching. It should be really fun, right? Yeah, this is definitely the can miss series of the playoffs up to this point. And it could
3: be the best playoff series in a while. These two teams are really good. There's a lot of pressure on both of them to win right now, so this is one you can't miss. Like I said, you got to tune in for this one and see what happens.
0: Absolutely, man. um Okay, well, I know you got somewhere to be in about 15 minutes. I got a COVID test at 12:30, which is 22 minutes from now. I'm flying out. I got to get a test before I go. Um, but I do want to end by saying this: I I want to defend you because we did it. We did a, our first episode ever, and I, you got some hate, and I was like, I was offended free. I was like. Oh, you want to, you want to mess with my dude? I really, I was like upset. It made me angry, and I I realized that hey, I need to explain to people. Hey, you're prepared. You work incredibly hard. You are really easy to work with. But also, like we'd never had a conversation before, let alone done a podcast together. And I'm like, give it, give us like three episodes before you come out with like an anvil. And you're like, you guys suck together. Get this guy. And you're like, I'm like, I know people don't like change. They don't like new people. But I want you to know, and I want the audience to know. No, I got got Nathan's back. He's good at this. I like it. And I'm really happy to have you here. And uh, I just want you to know, I I got your back and I I think you're doing a great job. I'm happy to have you here. And I, again, like we'll go through the playoffs and by episode one to episode after the Stanley Cup finals is going to be a very different product. And we'll just keep getting better together. And I I want to tell you that and tell them that because I just saw those comments and I was like, don't you dare mess with my guy, Nathan Shield. Thank you, man. Yeah, it's, it's a pleasure to be on.
3: As always, I'm excited to keep talking because the playoffs are just going to get more and more exciting. So,
0: dude, it's so fun. It is so entertaining. I uh, I think hockey is a great product that not many people. The reason why I'm doing this is I think that I, I can't follow hockey as closely as you can or a lot of other people can. But I, I love it when I get to see it. It's so great and it deserves to be talked about because it's just such a phenomenal product. And like Major League Baseball, gets in their own way over and over again. I'm like, Oh, I love the sport of baseball. I hate the MLB. The NHL has a great sport, a great product, and they do everything they can to make this product succeed and do well. And I just think, and the NHL deserves to be uplifted. Cause I, I love what they're doing over there. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's such a good product. Yeah, man. If you guys haven't checked it out, check out the playoffs. Cause they're, they're just going to get better from here. So absolutely. All right, guys. Uh, I think that's all we have with Nathan. I, uh, just great job, man. Love you. I love talking to you. And uh, I will see you after round two. And we'll talk further about the NHL playoffs. All right. Perfect. Looking forward to it. Later, brother. All right, guys. That's all I have. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I love you. I appreciate you. I know there's a weird cut. There's some, uh, this is a scatterbrained episode. It's, I, I think I, I cussed a couple times, which I try to never do. Uh, believe it or not, I wasn't drinking. I was just having like a rough night. Uh, But I I love you. I appreciate you very, very much for tuning in. Hope you have a great day. And uh, ba-dum-bum, bam, we are done.